Hi, this is Bob Weiss from Hangman Tours and Shaking Your World, and you are listening to Murder Metal Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666-mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal Fuck yeah. What's up, guys? Fucking hey, What's happening, Pete? What's oh, happening, Joey? CK? It's a Tuesday thing. Howdy. Yeah, we got the whole gang here. Got Joey and CK in here. CK, of course, via Messenger, but uh, good to have you on, CK and Joey. Good to see good you. Good to be on. Fucking hey, man. Absolutely. Why are you wearing a Cubs hat? What's, what's up with that? Because uh, <laughs> your Red Sox suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, living out in Illinois as long as I have, I've uh, adopted grown partial. Them. Yeah, they're like my favorite, wrong with that. favorite National League team. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing uh, wrong no, with I, have that. A favorite, I have a favorite National League team, and I would... If my team sucked like the Red Sox, I would, you know, (laughs) 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 Sorry, sorry, bro. You know I'm just joking. Well, to be honest, uh, I'm under the impression this year that sports are all bullshit for this year anyway. I'm waiting until next year, kind of, but (laughs) I still watch every now and then catch a game or whatever. All right. Well, we're doing our uh, Patreon supporters only episode, very first one of this series. It's yes, going to be kind of cool, Chris. Yeah, We've been talking be about sweet. doing this, and we finally figured out a way in the schedule of doing this fucking weekly show of being able to squeeze in an extra one, right? Being able to have time to record where we can all we're all able to get together. It kind of gets a little pain in the ass ish. Yeah, especially you know everybody's got stuff going on, so things are busy despite the pandemic. So if you're one of the chosen few in our 666 Club, you're here in this episode now when we record it in uh, 2020. Don't know when we're going to make it available to the rest. But for now, it's a Patreon only on the Cream City Cannibal himself, Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer. So it's going to be fucking killer. Um, This special episode is going to be different than a usual podcast as you guys know uh we're not going to do our typical murder metal mayhem format uh we're only doing Dahmer, kind of like how we did zodiac uh we've done a couple like that where we've just done it on one topic yeah it was zodiac and i can't think of we've done another one like that i'm pretty sure maybe it was btk my my brain don't work i think i think it was btk yeah i think it was um, btk the last episode of last year um, so there won't be a metal or a mayhem segment. We'll spill. We'll still play some bumper music along the way. Got a couple of good ones for you, but there won't actually be a metal segment. But CK wanted to get in on this discussion, yeah, boy, so so we're all here to do it. So it's going to be awesome. How, how how can you not get on a discussion of this? Yeah, for sure, dude. It's definitely fucked. Uh, no karaoke song. No killer cage match. That'll be next week. Uh, if you're hearing this in real time. Uh, when we resume our normal schedule. So this is going to be an all-Dahmer episode, and we are recording this on August 18th, 2020, since some of you may hear this at a much later date, since it's going to be an exclusive to Patreon for the time being. 
Uh, we got some great interviews in store. Fuck yeah, uh, yeah we, do. we did some really Double good them. ones. Bob Weiss, Chris, that was good. Talking to Bob from fucking Shakers. It was great. Always great to talk to him and see him. Oh, yeah. But yeah, his insight on the su- tonight's subject is yeah. pretty one of a kind. Yeah, because he, you know, as we've talked about, Bob owns Shakers, and they do the Jeffrey Dahmer Cream City Cannibal Tours there. But Bob actually waited on Dahmer when Dahmer was an, uh, you know customer in Shakers. So pretty crazy stuff. We'll hear from him. Um, he also talked to some of the cops that were actually in the apartment the night they busted him. And then the guy that did the cleanup uh, yeah, him came into Shakers to have a few drinks. Fuck, and, yeah, you probably need a few drinks. <laughs> you right? know you need God, a few damn, drinks after that's that. That's fucking Jesus. nasty. So, uh, and Bob also talked with that lady that saw the last Dahmer victim run out naked in the street. Right. Uh, her story is very harrowing, very interesting. So it's a great discussion. And we're going to divide Bob's interview clips up into three, about 10 minutes a piece, um, give or take, uh, spread out throughout the episode. All right. Now, if that wasn't enough, we even added another one. I just did this one today. Uh, with friend of the show and serial killer uh, documentary filmmaker John Borowski. Always good to talk to him as well. Yeah, because Chris, we interviewed him at the Dark History Con. We did another interview with him on uh, uh, for the show. We've interviewed him two or three Couple times. times yeah. uh, John's a really good dude. Uh, definitely interesting for the the Dahmer discussion because he's on you know his share of really good documentaries. Yeah. Joey, the Panzram one, the Holmes. Albert Fish. The Albert like, Fish yeah. one's my favorite. But and we're talking about you know his upcoming uh, multi-part with uh, Gacy. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool discussion because we get into that. But he's also written books, and he wrote a book about Dahmer called Dahmer's Confession, which which we'll talk about when we interview him. Really cool stuff and a very unique perspective on the case, uh, just because of his involvement with uh, true crime for so many years and doing some really top shelf uh, documentaries. So great friend of the show and, and good to have John on as well. That's a 20 minute conversation and that'll be in one piece uh, toward the end of the Dahmer discussion. We get into the confession and some of the stuff that pertains to his book. Uh, huge that, that alone is worth the price. Well, of yeah, course, man. dude. <laughs> yeah, of course. Being a member of that 666 yeah. Club membership has its privileges, you know. Uh, we got our sponsor to thank, though, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Amazing stuff. Great fucking online catalog, Chris. Just sick shit. Dude. Got some I, of it on the table. I got a, I got on the site, and I saw the fucking face mask that he made. Oh, dude. oh isn't that fucking awesome? Holy shit, shit dude. Could you imagine That's wearing sick. that somewhere? I bet it's hotter than fuck, though. I know. I know. But, but yeah, that dude, would it be so, so bad. To a metal show? Yeah. Dude. That is shit. almost a Fuck must. That. I'm walking have, into dude. Walmart with that motherfucker on. <laughs> like everybody be like looking at me like, what the fuck with is that? With the hat on too. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Wear an entire outfit, like shoes and everything. And shit. So Tony can do it though. You can do custom stuff. Joey, you've mentioned that before. You can have Tony do a yeah. a custom piece. If you're a band, you want him to do it a forearm carved with your band name like he did for us for the podcast. 
I mean, Amazing after I shit. see the, you know, the fucking severed head spike that we have oh, here, fuck. basically that made me know, like, oh, yeah, talk to him. If you, yeah. if you want something custom, just talk to him. You're going to come right. up with some badass shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Tony's got a great imagination. Very original, I mean. That's, oh, yeah. That's not fucking assembly line shit at No, all. and this lamp here is the fucking shit, yeah. too, you know, the human skin lamp. So spellboundeffectsandart.com, can't say it enough. Good stuff. Support the underground Tony Campagna is a great guy, and uh, help him out, and go check his products out. Uh, huge thanks to everybody out there listening, Thank man. all the of 666 you. Club. Thank all of you. All of you motherfuckers. We really appreciate it, and that's why we're doing this extra bonus for you. So thank you very much. Also, thanks to Bob Weiss and John Borowski for doing the interviews. Uh, check the episode description for links, and now you can get in touch with these guys book a ghost tour at shakers or get uh on that cream city cannibal tour or purchase one of john borowski's books or movies so again support the underground artists and small businesses uh it's just uh, they're just great people so fucking right they are they support you support them too that's right especially you know while the whole world's going through this fucked up deal yeah. You know, these small businesses, if they come out on the other side still operating, you know that you had a part in that. And Fucking right. And That's true, dude. That's exactly. true. Same with the bands. You know, we talk about it all the time with supporting the bands. CK single-handedly is doing that with yeah. buying every CD <laughs> and every album that comes out. But, <laughs> I, I, th- I think my wife's about ready to kick my ass. <laughs> I'm sure. The shoe manufacturers, too. All the fucking shoes no, you I, I, st- Jesus. I, st- I stopped. I had to stop with the shoes. Fuck. I had to make some sort of compromise. I want to get you yeah, a big pair just... of those disco boots <laughs> no. like Antonio Fargus wore that I'm going right. to get you, sucker. <laughs> Yeah, but with he quit buying swimming in them. Yeah. yeah, the ones with the fish are yeah. great. <laughs> but he quit buying shoes. That just gives him more money to spend on fucking music true, now. True, that's true. Shirts too. He can incorporate <laughs> yeah, yeah. shirts into. It. Uh, yeah, I got, I, I got a lot of those. Too, so. <laughs> I did get a couple here recently myself. Uh, Better Call Saul and a Satriali's Meats from the Sopranos. Right. <laughs> my, my my newest one is the Bad News Bears jersey. There you go. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. That's cool. So we got a lot of stuff on our plate tonight. We got a young guy roaming the warehouse district of Milwaukee looking for a little date this evening. Might even want to become uh, them to become a mindless sex zombie and stay forever. So Fucking man, let's get our cannibalistic necrophiliac fucked up murder on, dude. <laughs> How could we not play that, Joey? <laughs> Perfect I mean, really. 213 by Slayer. Fuck yeah. Chris, I mean, really? not listen to fucking 213 by Slayer. That's right. That's a good tune. Uh, so yeah, playing that one. We got CK still with us. How you doing, CK? Hanging in there, guys. All right, very good. No trees falling down in no, Danbury tonight. No, we had tonight. a bad storm last night again, like in the middle of the night. Oh w- Jesus! Fucking woke me and me and Laura up. She was freaking. Oh wow. Oh boy. But didn't lose anything. So knock on. Good. Wood. 
That's good. That's good. CK, whenever I uh, sent out that package with a seven inch in it, the fucking guy at the post office is like, Wild Man Street. That's an awesome name. <laughs> I had him say something one time yeah. here about that. Yeah. Wild Man Street. Like, yeah, it's pretty wild over there. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's awesome. Great. I always wondered if that was somebody's name or something, CK. I, th- I, th- I think it was they... the name of somebody, of a, a last name. Okay, it wasn't you, though. No. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm just making sure. No, it's fine. <laughs> all right, well, tonight, guys, talking some Jeffrey Dahmer, man. This has been one of those ones on Jeffrey our list D. that we knew we were going to eventually get there. We didn't know when. We're now a hundred and I'm going on 109 episodes, yeah. uh, plus all the bonus extra stuff we've done. So we've done a lot of episodes. But we of haven't done episodes. this one yet. And it's been one of those ones, Joey and Chris and CK, that we just said, you know, eventually we're going to get there. And we thought doing it this way with the Patreon exclusive. You guys have been out there listening. You get this shit. So yeah. fucking it, man. So we wanted to say thank you to the, the hardcore uh, fans and listeners by giving them this bonus uh, Dahmer exclusive. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, definitely one of the most well-known U.S. serial killers out there. I bet he's like really, really high. I oh like yeah, more than Ted Bundy or so. I, 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 I would think time. I think he's probably yeah. one or two. Probably, probably in, in my probably right below Manson because everybody knows Manson. Well, yeah, I don't put them in the same. Yeah, category, Manson though. definitely a different animal <laughs> yeah, yeah. altogether. But I know what you mean, though. In the true crime world, Manson is a big yeah. name. Dahmer's another one. He killed seventeen young men and boys in horrible fashion. Uh, to make things worse, you know, you get into the whole cannibalism side of it. Yeah, man. Uh, necrophilia. I mean, it gets yo, fucking yo, dark, yo. man. <laughs> Not yo, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the stuff of fucking nightmares. And what makes it worse is that it actually happened of only about three and a half hours from where we are right here. Of course. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, we've been up to Shakers. This happened right there, uh, just a couple blocks away. Um, took he would that, have been took that tour up there. Yeah, he was right there. You know, I mean, he was in Shakers. You know, um, and he would have been caught um, right after I moved out here to the Midwest. So definitely marks kind of an era for me when I moved out here. It was like Dahmer happened the year after that. It was just like holy shit. Pete moves to the Midwest. See what happens. That's right. That's right. Now, Jesus. Joey, what is it about Dahmer that just f- you find fascinating? Because I know this is definitely one of your among your favorite true crime topics. Yeah. Um, if I go back in my time, like since I was fucking tiny, true crime's always been a part of my deal. But while I lived out in Connecticut, I can't necessarily say that I really knew any. Uh, <clears throat> serial killers per se just more like events that happened and some that were close to me so you know that's what made it probably my fascination anyhow i move out to the midwest and with that fascination in my mind i get here and i moved here in 1991 oh and that's when Dahmer was caught was caught right right and so right whenever i moved here that's all that was in the newspapers um right and and to me i was this is the first time i was ever out here in the corn and to me like milwaukee might as well have just been right down the road right for sure (laughs) compared to what i was used to so i was like holy shit that's some crazy shit so definitely uh very influential and um you know 
probably fucking shifted my direction in my mind a little bit. As high profile cases it, it was oh, and all fuck that yeah. shit like yeah. that. And yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't, like like I said, with the fucking media fucking exposed so that. So sensational. They were talking about shit that you just like, man, you couldn't have read that shit in a horror book. No, you know? no, it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk. it's darker than any story you could even yeah. come up with. And Chris, you and Joey went up to Milwaukee uh to go up there and kind of check out the old stomping grounds before we did shakers so what was that like when you guys uh, did that yeah fucking it was kind of crazy the neighborhood's pretty fucked up i'm like all right i'm sure it's different than it was 91 or whatever it's been that many years but like the the building has been demolished since right. then, as everyone knows. But like, and it's that area where the building was is just a grass lot. There's nothing there. Okay. Now, what and about fucking, the hotel though? Was that still? Oh there? yeah, the ambassador. We went we went to the ambassador yeah. and had a drink there for sure. Oh, that's cool. Thought about asking the bartender, hey, so were you here when Dahmer was here? Right. But yeah. Because like, do we know what room that was in the ambassador? He did I don't that? know. I don't know what room it was. I don't uh-huh. think I'd ever heard of a room yeah, number. Yeah, I don't know if they ever disclosed They probably didn't want people right. to know. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, no, we still want to make money on this room. So. <laughs> yeah, you right. right. probably make more money. That's well, true. Well, now, yeah. looking yeah. back, yeah, you'd been better off putting the lights around right. it. Right. Back, yeah, Dahmer's yeah. old yeah. room. That'd probably fucking freak people out too much right then. They're like, nah. Yeah, I don't fucking think so. That's like in the shining when the hotel had him use a different room number than what was in the book yeah. right and the room number they changed it to was like a broom closet so they figured people wouldn't want to rent the room what? of course looking back what big as um, the movie the shining now, was yeah. They'd have made more money had they like, plugged the it as the room. shining room yeah. or, or or the Amityville horror they changed the whole house exactly. yeah yeah they do that stuff all the time you know so uh, it's definitely uh, interesting, but Chris, that must have been pretty cool though, going no, up there and checking pretty, it out. It was pretty intense. We're fucking. Uh, we got some pictures, fucking standing by the street signs of Twenty Fifth and uh, Twenty Kilborn. Kilborn, yeah. Fucking. That's fu- cool. Fucking That's right cool, on, dude. Now, CK, a few metal bands have been inspired by Dahmer. Obviously, that's kind of tailor made. We played the Slayer song Two Thirteen. Uh, Macabre did a whole album about him, and Soulfly had a song I didn't realize it called Jeffrey Dahmer, which we'll play later. But did you come across any other ones in your I, research? I looked. I really didn't see any other ones. I'm sure there is. There's probably a couple obscure bands that probably have it that that I didn't see. Oh, but, I'm sure. But I'm um, sure. You know, I, offhand, um, I didn't see anything. But um, okay. but I'm sure. Like I said, there's there's probably, you know, probably even non-metal bands and shit that. Oh, oh, there yeah, were some because I listen to some yeah, really yeah. weird, like experimental right, music, yeah. and because it's just stuff a, like that. All kinds of fucking, it's just a fucked up, you know, story that you know. How can you how, not how, use it? As, yeah, how, right. how can it not be a topic of a, of a song? Yeah, death metal bands. Yeah. I mean, and, how and do you I will, not? There is a an underground band that's more death metal than anything else. A little grindy, but mostly just death metal. They've been around since about '95. Right. Called Dahmer. Okay. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're a really, they're really good band. Ass, so oh wow! Anybody out there that wants to check them out? Oh, should. that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, so you know, will uh, you know the thing with Dahmer that's interesting is on the surface his upbringing seemed pretty normal. Actually, when it, we get into the Borowski discussion later, he gets into a little bit of this that I didn't know from a special he saw called Dahmer on Dahmer. Um, and it gets into the whole thing with his mom. Now, his parents, Joyce and Lionel, um, you know, raised him in a middle class house, upper middle class. Um, 
you know, no abuse that we know of, but John Borowski was talking about the mom in that special was discussed that she, other than changing his diaper, she never touched him. Huh. That's fucked up. Yeah, I don't know that I had That's that pretty before. weird. I had never heard that either. Um, so that's strange. Um, yeah, we're going to get into some of the discussions between the parents because they both kind of blame the other. Right. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it's obviously a bitter divorce, divorce, which doesn't yeah. help matters here. He, de- Lyon, I'll definitely add more of a uh, theory pointing at the yeah. wife, you know, as to mm-hmm. why some of this might have happened. Oh, but. yeah, yeah. Well, if, well, uh, he mother, does have a. It's got to probably do with the mo- no nurturing from the mother. That's you know. Well, that, but also he was claiming her to drugs, have been on uh, prescription on pills, drugs, which yeah. that she, she flat was out denied. Right. She was like, that never happened at all. Yeah, but so in the like, book man. I read, uh, John Borowski's yeah. book. Steve Giangelo, Giangelo uh, wrote a, a chapter in it about some of this, and he said she was on 27 different prescriptions. Yeah, I, so I thought Christ. that that was the That's case. That's fucked that, up. Right. So I don't know who to believe because you're hearing all these varying accounts. It, whenever of, you see it come out of both of their mouths, he, to me, Lionel is more believable in the situation than his wife right. seemed. It so, seems that way, too. I agree. And also, you know your, what your son just got arrested for. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. right. it wasn't me. And yeah. it also seemed like, it also, to me, in like the interviews and stuff, it seemed like his dad was more really out there trying to understand what would happen, what was going on, where the mob was like oh my god i don't even want right. that to be a part of my up. life right now. right you know? his dad right. was really trying to figure out what the fuck had happened yeah so it, it's pretty fucked up like that yeah and i mean he did have a younger brother and we've talked about other killers like btk gacy bundy you know that seem to be on the surface at least fairly normal upbringing you know as compared to some of these motherfuckers that were just brutalized like Henry Lucas and fucking Pee Wee Gaskins. I mean, people like that were just downright, you know, abused horribly. And so they they turned out to be animals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just became fucking animals, man. Um, Now, Dahmer's parents would eventually get divorced in 1978, which is when he graduates high school. And somehow... I read one account the brother was left behind, but when I talked to John Borowski, he was not. They took the younger brother and left right. Dahmer yeah, in the house like 17. and just left him there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? The parents move away with the younger son. They're divorced, but the younger son goes with the mother, and they just leave him in the fucking house like that? And, I mean, and it, she- it seemed like the dad, Lionel, had figured that you know she would end up with both children. Because it seemed like whenever he w- he finally went to go visit Jeffrey and was like, what the hell, you're living here by yourself? You know what I'm saying? Your mom's not here. And he was almost surprised by what he was seeing by those accounts. Yeah. Right, right. But it's still pretty fucked up if it wasn't, though. Yeah. No, I didn't it is. Think, I think, yeah. didn't what was he like? He, yeah. he had to be like, what, 18 at the time? He was 18. Yeah, he just graduated high yeah, school. But I mean, so. why can't he be home by himself? He's 18, 17. But I mean, 18. he was devastated by oh, this I knew that. Know, yeah, feeling yeah. of abandonment, you know. And right. I mean, all his later issues and everything that came out right there, what we're talking about is right. fucking stepping that, that's where That's yeah. where it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, we could discuss more of the childhood and what might have contributed. Um, you know, we know his parents did fight a lot. Right. Um, and that's not something, though, out of the ordinary, unfortunately. You know, that's yeah, what happens. You know, they they argue a bit, some more than others. Um, he talks about it. It also, you know, he says, 
was a reason why he became so withdrawn and kind of shied away from right. that. He just yeah. kind of went to his room and tried like, to get away believe, from it. Yeah, and it's also the bones that him and his dad. Yeah. Like, his dad, like, teaching him how to fucking... The, Bleach, bleach bones, the bones and shit. Young yeah, and shit. that's pretty fucked up. I mean, I don't know if I'd be teaching a kid that's all withdrawn some shit like that, but of course, it's easy to say that now. The kid might have grown up to be like an anthropologist or something, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, knows, some normal yeah. occupation. Uh, certainly, his obsession with seeing the inside of dead bodies, you know, starts with animals, right? Yeah. Um, and escalated obviously into humans. Um, you know, we talked about. In the documentaries I watched, and bringing the roadkill home, and yeah, we lived like, at the grandmother's like house, which is weird because he wasn't killing the animals, he was just straight up, like you said, roadkill finding them, yeah, bringing them home while they're like taking didn't matter and um, right. cutting them apart. And yeah, yeah, I mean, he could have could become a surgeon, right. you know, maybe with that interest, but instead he tweaked it into this fucked oh, up, he was a surgeon, know, he, became. He, he went, <laughs> I mean, he, he, went, he went the other way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He, uh, he used to go out in the woods and fucking smack sticks on trees, like, pissed off. Right. Uh, yeah, he would take out his sure. aggression. Yeah, I did see something woods. about that. But another thing is, you know, uh, I think they said, like, childhood friends went out there, you know, on his property, and they were, like, dog heads on sticks. Yeah, they were. Shit yeah. like that. Yeah, and, and like you said, I don't know if he actually killed those or he just found the roadkill. And right. He was creating things. It, but, right. Yeah, but either way. Because he was creating fucking monuments later. Yes. So yeah. Not for nothing, but like a precursor to that. Yeah, but I would see sure. roadkill. I would never want to fucking take it home and cut it. Right. Oh, fuck exactly. that, man. That's nasty. Then <laughs> you take it home and you're fucking like cutting its head yeah, off Yeah, and that's shit. Like it's like disgusting, Tom man. Green and Freddie got fingered with the deer when he's fucking <laughs> now, Joey, there were a few close calls where Dahmer's secrets were almost discovered. What was the deal with the box that he had that was locked up and his dad found it? That was crazy. Yeah, man. which, I mean, this is so obviously after, you know, he had started killing. Right. And he's at his, this is at his grandma's in Milwaukee. Right. Uh, and he had the decapitated head. Right. I can't remember the victim right now, but he had I the decapitated head of one of his victims in and his, his box. And his fucking schlong, too. Right. Yeah. And so his his dad's coming in, and like, he's, like, talking to him. And the grandma, for all, she just seems like she's just doing her life and let Jeffrey do his. She probably has no way. She she probably can't connect Dude, with she was, like, no. in her fucking late 70s yeah. or some so shit I'm not when this happening. Yeah. No, I can't that, blame her at That's the one that he's, like, really... He actually loved his grandmother. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. So anyway, so he's got this box in the fucking closet at his grandma's, and his dad right. goes, over and he finds it, and it's a box, and it's, you know. Straight up lock box. Locked, yeah. yep. And his dad, uh, he was trying to get him to open it up, and Jeffrey said no. And I, from what I heard, the excuses he told him were there was pornography inside, right. and he didn't want him to see it. He would dispose he of it. He didn't want to upset the grandmother well, and his but mother. But holy fuck, there was a decapitated yeah, head. Could you imagine if they had just opened that like, shit up? Open this fucking what box. The like, fuck, which, which, okay, dude. first off. you watching, yeah. <laughs> First off, you're going to stop. Get the fuck out of this house. You would have stopped all the fucking shit that happened after Exactly. That, like, True. Of course, but at the same time, like, who the fuck? Hey, I'm not going to walk in anybody's house and think there's a fucking head sitting in a box. No, right. not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Dude. I mean, maybe it's a severed penis. Right. Especially <laughs> if you're at Bob's. That's possibility. If you're over at Bob's, yeah. you know. I've heard some of these motherfucking uh, 
people fighting in their apartment and shit like oh suck Lorena Bobbitt all over again <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Dahmer's an outcast in school he's he's struggling with being gay at a time when that was not accepted uh, as as it is today uh, do you think that plays a part in this somewhere yeah yeah definitely because like like you said He's struggling being gay, and he's already feeling like an outcast because of his parents and shit. Right. And the whole time he's in school, in high school, he's fucking getting drunk, like, constantly, nonstop right. fucking oh, drinking. Yeah. He's hardcore like, getting with wasted. it. And yeah. uh, he was basically like the class clown and shit. Like, right. People would tell him Was he caught in, like, in the parking shit. lot, like, drinking beer in his car? Yeah, like, yeah. he was I drinking so. in school. Was, they, yeah, like, he wasn't trying to hide he, it. No. Yeah, he was, like, drinking in the morning, during, and after and school. And teacher called yeah. him, and he said I was having issues at home or something. Right? Yeah. And yeah, he like was a, a mess, Yeah, man. he'd tell all the kids, like, basically it was his medicine or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. Fucking, yeah. And, I, I always thought that was fucking one of the biggest reasons was the homosexuality. Because it, even in the fucking interviews with his dad, after, you know, right before Dahmer died, his dad, even they asked him, you know, about the homosexuality situation in the house, and he says, no, we wouldn't have approved of that. Right, right. Straight up still said that. Sure. So, I mean, if if you're already, you can't talk to your parents. About anything. Right there. You, how the fuck are you going to get even deeper to the dark shit that they're dealing with to right. find that shit out? So. Right. That no, that's up. true. I mean, it's true. It definitely, I think, would have contributed it to some, in, you know, in some way. Right. Like I said, being the class clown, that's the only way he could uh, act anything out in, right. in school with his Get friends. some attention. Right. He right. was hiding his sadness. That, yeah, that's what yeah. he was. Exactly. So his first victim is Stephen Hicks. Uh, that happens in 1978. So this all's happening at the same time. He's graduating high school. Kills his first victim. His parents abandon him. I mean, right. it's like a lot of shit all coming down at once. Is it coincidence or did they kind of like set like the fuse, you know, with- which he before this too, before Stephen Hicks, he uh, he had a spot that he would go to out by the house and right. he was watching for a jogger his jogger. Yeah. yeah and he was right. going to fucking get one. Mm-hmm. He already had that plan in, in his head, but he never went ahead and went through with it. I heard that the one day that fucking he was actually going to do it, like the jogger didn't go by. Didn't that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That fucking day he came out with, with a wow. bat ready to do it or that's ready to go up. get him. And that fucking day that jogger didn't fucking show up so instead then he picks up Stephen Hicks well he had that hitchhiker fantasy so then he sees Stephen Hicks and it's like here we go you know so he picks him up and everything was cool but then Joey when he tells him he wants to go home uh, that's he, when Dahmer fucking flips out. He's you know, done that before, you know, after this fucking, all the time, uh, you know. A dumbbell and fucking clocked him upside the head. Yeah. A couple times. Like, like 10 oh, times. No, I got a body. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, no, he, he wanted to leave. He had a legitimate fear that that guy was going to leave. And that he didn't want him to leave. Right. And I mean, and he, I mean, you don't know back then, too. Like, this dude could have been like, uh, maybe he got advanced on by Dahmer and the dude freaked out over that. You don't know right. like those specifications. I That's think true. Like, he, was like, that... he was like, man, I'm about to go, you know, he obviously was going to go tell everybody this dude was queer, you know, whatever. Sure. And in those days, man, yeah, that would have been the end of his life out there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, hard to say. Like yeah. you said, we don't know those kind of details. Yeah, it's like, I, but... can't, I can't let this get out. So I'm going to stop it at all costs. Yeah. And it was the body of Stephen Hicks that he dissolves in acid, which is what he had been doing with the animals, too. So yeah, he was already yep. using that tactic 
to get rid of the body parts, whether it be animals, I mean, and then of course into humans. So I mean, the fact is, Dad gave him a fucking chemistry set when right. he was young. When he first started messing with the animals, his right. dad was about it because he's like, yeah, I guess something he was interested. Yeah, in. Yeah, something he was yeah. interested. In. He's like, fucking, hey, I'm gonna have my kids start dissolving shit. And well, his dad's yeah, a his, scientist. Yeah, I was that, gonna say his saying. dad was in that like discipline. By I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember like either. But his dad had a job in that field. Now, Dahmer joins the Army in 1979, so he's all by himself for about a year. He leaves to become a combat medic, which is one of those things the Army always tries to get people to do because they, a lot of people don't want to do it. Right. It's a very dangerous job because I always looked at it as if I'm going to be in the shit, I don't want to be worrying about other, 100 other people bleeding all over the place right, and I'm right. going to get shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I'm going to be in the shit, I want to be, you know, holding a gun, you know. Right. I also so thought I never took that it. <laughs> he was a combat medic as well. Like that was his role. He was helped to help people that are in gore. Of course, and shit. of that course, that was his job in the oh, army. Oh yeah, and he day. knew he would see it up close. You right. know? So I'm sure to him that was, that was a, that like the dream job. The, you know. Oh, fuck yeah. I didn't even think of that. I remember when they offered it to me. I was like, Nah, I don't <laughs> think so. If I'm going to be in the shit, I want to have a gun. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I wound up getting in the cab and joining uh, the army. Uh, as a cavalry scout, which was my job, like reconnaissance type stuff. Um, anyway, um, he's stationed in Germany. He gets accused of raping several of his fellow soldiers, male soldiers, after he drugs them. Uh, and it would be this kind of sexual misconduct and the excess of alcohol that would get him kicked out. I found it odd he got an honorable discharge, but I'm wondering, when I joined in 91... This would have been before that. It was the don't ask, don't no. It was after I joined that it was that don't ask, don't tell. Because they asked some pretty fucked up questions when I joined the army. I'm not even going to get into it. Right. But I'm like, I already said no. Like, can you stop asking me these questions? Like, <laughs> have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? Look, dude, I answered it already. I don't do that. You know, no. You know. So anyway. But this would have been even before that, so God only fucking knows, but the army wouldn't have wanted to put neon lights around somebody being gay. Of course, of course. So they may have just given him the honorable just to get him the hell out. But anyway, he gets out in 81. He moves to Milwaukee eventually to work at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Yeah. The very first time I went up to Milwaukee, Bob introduced me to this lady that worked with him at that factory. And she was telling me some pretty interesting stuff. Things I wish I could have had the recorder because it would have been a good conversation. Oh, I bet it would have to been record. Because awesome, she was talking about how nice of a guy he was, and he was real shy, but he was always real pleasant. And he would always say hello. Like she just, just couldn't cover, believe yeah. it when she saw it on the news. Like she said, that would have been like the last person I would have ever thought to do something like that. So. I mean. They, it was very they say fascinating. That all the time, though, like, oh, they I never do. would have guessed it would have been him. Like, they but do. then there's the other ones that are like, oh, I fucking totally see that. Right, shit. right. Now, CK, we hear that a lot. You know, these guys kind of appear normal on the surface, but under the surface, they're doing some crazy shit. I mean, how does that even fucking happen? I mean, think? well, we pretty much discussed, you know, as far as Dahmer, he probably internalized everything. So obviously, you know, he's gay at a time where. You can't come out and say you're gay. Um, so you got that. He, You got the abandonment of, of basically his parents. Right. You know, 
you put that together with with shit from his childhood with with the probably you know the roadkill you probably put all that all that together and and, you know and and plus he was diagnosed with um deficit um mental deficits anyway so you put it all together yeah he seems like a normal guy on top but you know underneath he's he's a fucked up loner individual who has severe fucking issues and probably you know just acted upon his his impulses right yeah no filter to be able to shut it off you know most people can shut that off yeah just get fucked up and do crazy shit now it was during his time in milwaukee that he would frequent the gay bars and bathhouses in that warehouse district known also as walker's point a uh, really nice area. We know that, of course, guys, because of Shakers. Yeah. But what a nice area of Milwaukee that yeah. is. I mean, the parking is free. It's clean. Although, very well lit. You feel very safe there, you know? Yeah, I haven't, I'd had a great time there. Because like there's the some sketchy older. places in Milwaukee. I've been I in mean, some gnarly a, motherfuckers. It's in a there. city. There's a, they all right. have sketchy Of places. course. But I've been in a couple of them. Uh, once with Low 12, which was really bad. I thought we were going to get fucking carjacked i mean it was bad and we were unloading our equipment and i was scared to death i'm like whether it was a house party we were going to we thought it was a club it was somebody's fucking house (laughs) like where the fuck is this it was cool it wound up being a good one but you know it was just like and we're in this neighborhood like really like you better have three people four people standing out here at the truck (laughs) making sure it doesn't walk away you know so anyway this is a nice part of Milwaukee. Nothing like that at all. Um, and, you know, he gets into, as he did in the Army, drugging men, uh, he said in 86 and on, as his way, you know, Joey, he could get them to do what he wants, right? right? I mean, yeah. basically. Um, and, and you got to figure, like, these people are drinking with him anyway and all that. Right. So it's so easy for him because he's, oh, yeah. he's slipping in, you know, sleeping pills and Man, so easy. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll get you a drink. Right. I got you covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for that, sure. That, that's lo- that's why ladies watch your drinks. Right. That's right, for <laughs> sure. dudes, too, nowadays. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. everybody. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, he was also arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah, that's He didn't nice. get much, though, just disorderly conduct. I'm that's because he, he told the judge that if I can... Uh, I was just peeing, and I didn't realize anybody was around. Oh, that's the crazy yeah. Mike story. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he pretty much did, though. Yeah. He, he, uh, <laughs> he Because he's supposed to do a year. Right. For felony something. And that's after, was that after he fucking just pulled his cock out at the carnival or whatever? And right. He got yeah. like a $50 fine for it or some that's shit. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Now, Joey, I was fascinated uh, to find out about his father that wrote the book as well and that he had dreams where he committed murder. What the fuck? Right. That well, I don't know much more than that, but what, yeah, what I was the deal with Yeah, I don't know what that? to make of it. I don't know if, uh, like you said, you don't know. he didn't really elaborate. It's like, man, if you were having a lot of dreams and it was like an <laughs> over, like a, a reoccurring thing, yeah. yeah, maybe there was something to it. If not... I mean, I've had dreams where I kill people. I mean, who hasn't? That's what that's what I'm getting at. I'm sure that most everybody has. 
now if you raise a fucking kid that becomes out to be Jeffrey Dahmer, then you're going to look at every one of them dreams that you had like, oh, fuck, maybe oh. I can make the connection. Because <laughs> like I said, with Lionel, it, it, it legitimately seemed like, man, he was just really wanted to figure out what and where it went wrong. And, right. It was probably when he didn't talk to his kid about shit that yeah, he needed I mean, to that's fucking a talk about. It, yeah. Yeah. Chris, the father, you know, made a lot of a lot of claims in the book, as we mentioned, accusing the wife, Joyce, uh, of being crazy and taking some pretty powerful drugs, prescription drugs. But she would have been pregnant. Now, her defense is I was pregnant. Like what doctor's going to prescribe me that? Right. So I'm not quite sure how to reconcile that because you got two completely different stories there. She's got one. He's got another. They're going through a, a rough divorce. They're very They're bitter fun. toward each other. Oh, yeah, very. You know, so who knows who to really believe here? I really don't know what to make of it. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I have no idea who to believe. I like Cash was saying, though, at least Lionel was out there trying. And, yeah. and she just kind of disappeared denying anything he said. Right. So, I mean, he could have said it. But I feel like the what? Uh, who did you say that said she was on like twenty some drugs or twenty seven? Yeah, that's what Steve G and Angelo yeah, in that yeah. book in this book here, Dahmer's Confession. Um, and that's he what talks I'm saying. If you that. can find fucking you know verification that those were prescribed to her and this yeah. and that, then that's fucking the proof right there. And that fucking sure. kills her well, what, theory. But what to fucking me. doctor right. prescribed twenty seven? Unless she was drugs. doctor shopping too, right? You and know, I don't you don't know. know. But, but, we don't know how she got these. If it was really like Joey said, right. prescribed to her, and, and not it could have been black market. This too. is the fucking yeah. and, and not interact with each right. other. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, this, yeah this there's so many conflicting stories. Yeah, what we're like trying to say here is we don't know. 60 or 61 or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, man, back then, who the fuck knows, man? These doctors fucking might have been about giving you some pills. Like, yeah, dude, I don't know. Even, think of fucking dazing and confused when the old pregnant girl's in the liquor store smoking a cigarette, <laughs> yeah. buying a bottle of Jack Well, and not shit. only that, but I <laughs> right. mean, like, right. for real. Dude, yeah, back in the happens. 80s and shit, it wasn't uncommon for fucking parents to be like oh you're not feeling well today here take a valium or something like that for you sure. know what i'm saying for sure and now it's like oh no mom i need like four valium i get i, I got I get, a tolerance yeah yeah I, get that <laughs> on that shit. I need a volume a percocet and um <laughs> well here we got a a little piece the first piece of the interview series here bob we did Weiss. this one with bob um talked about quite a few things uh that will give you some insight into what we're talking about right now uh, from the from the vantage point of he was the owner of Shakers, which is right in this district, right in amidst all these gay bars that Dahmer was going to, and Bob talks about actually waiting on him. Very fascinating. And some different things about the neighborhood and, and that part of the story. I, I so. can't even say enough how if people are up by Milwaukee, take that Cream City tour. Oh, it's so Cause, cool. Because as much Dahmer as I was into my whole life, that was something completely new about yeah. it. Like, yeah, cool. it's fantastic. We talk more about that later, and Bob explains what that is as well. So check this first clip out. We have the privilege to be doing this interview with Bob Weiss, the owner of Shaker Cigar Bar in Milwaukee and the purveyor of Hangman Tours and the Jeffrey Dahmer Cream City Cannibal Tours. Thanks for taking the time from the pandemic to talk to us here at Murder Metal Mayhem. I've got my co-host Chris Shaw back here with me. How's it going, Bob? Pete and Chris, I am honored first and foremost to be here. I appreciate your calling to ask me about these things. I am. I can't express how happy I am with life uh, in lieu of this pandemic going on. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, 
but we we've just uh, we've done the best we can to spend our time wisely during our shutdown. Um, I, I've had a huge reinvestment in the property at Shakers alone, and all four floors have gotten some extraordinary workmanship on it. So we brought in this craftsman who's got just got this team thing, and uh, really uh, lovingly have have done as much work as onto the Shakers building as we can. Oh Both man, 1894. So. It needed the right hand to work on this, and uh, it is gorgeous, Pete. I can't wait till you guys come back up and see it. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, it's um, yeah, because we definitely miss being up there, man. And we've got this uh, special episode coming up that we're doing on Jeffrey Dahmer, so we thought it'd be awesome to have you on here since you were living in Milwaukee when the murders happened and everything. And what was it like to know that was going on at the same neighborhood as Shakers is? Can you believe it's been almost 30 years since he was caught? I know. Yeah. I did the math. I thought the same thing. Like, wow, it doesn't seem like it was 30 years ago. Just, just the other day, we had Dream <laughs> City Cannibal Tours, and the press is like, it's only been 20 years, or it's almost 20 years. And I'm like, where did that Man, oh, man. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, what was that like with that going on right there in, that, in the same neighborhood? That had to just be crazy. Well, it was it was harrowing because you know obviously we didn't know that he was um, hunting people and and um, what he was doing at the time. But uh, as soon as we found out, obviously, when they caught him in July of, of 1991, it, it changed the perspective on so much that neighborhood, business, Milwaukee overall. Um, it, it had significant ramifications and effects on everything. So. When we open up in, in 1986, and uh, I, you know, my intent with Shakers was to shake up the local food and beverage scene. And we certainly did that. We had kind of a foxy diner kind of approach to things. We had this real hip kind of active things. We had bar staff that was really into the food, and and of course, I had the right cooks, and, and the food just really rocked. So uh, that's something that we were doing that was unique. But we were in this warehouse district of Milwaukee that had been kind of almost like a vacuum that time had kind of forgotten right so right. this beautiful old architecture was everywhere but it wasn't necessarily busy so i opened up there and you've got gay bars to the right and gay bars to the left right area of town that they could flourish in because no one really cared what took place there you know right um that was the 86 and Dahmer was already hunting people right. and um he would spend his time walking up and down second street looking for his next victim. And there's a couple of the, uh, the myriad gay bars that were there that he really liked a lot. And he was most successful at, uh, acquiring people from, but they're right down the block from shakers. So he got rather emboldened in about 1991, January, I think it was that he started coming in and we at least started recognizing the fact that this odd guy was coming in. And uh, we were still open for lunch back then. It's corporate America, so it's it's literally we, at that time it was uh, a lot of a lot of judges and prosecutors and attorneys and architects and whatever else. And then we had this guy, this guy that never dressed the same as anybody else, never fit in. He had these big glasses on, uh, tall guy. And uh, most peculiar to me is that he would not let any of the shakerettes get him a cocktail. So. We, we have almost all women that work at Shakers. There's a few exceptions, but at that <laughs> time, it was, it was all female bartending and service staff, and the only guys that worked there were us in the kitchen. 
So they would come and get me or, or uh, my sous chef to come out and to make a gin and tonic for this really weird guy that would not let any of the women make him a drink. That's crazy. So, <laughs> I, I, man, it, it was. But I can't see there was any conversation taking place because he didn't want to talk to us. And he clearly didn't fit in. So I just, you know, make him his gin and tonic and I just head back to the kitchen. Um, so, you know, we started seeing him every couple of weeks, uh, maybe every three weeks, two weeks. Then at some point, as we got closer to May, the frequency increased as he kind of got emboldened. And I think that he uh, kind of wanted to get caught, but he also wanted to, knowing what my clientele was, uh, just kind of stick that in their faces like, you don't know who I am, but this is what I'm doing and I could be anywhere at all. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's really creepy. Very brave, very oh, brave. <laughs> man, but I think this is this is kind of the thing about serial killers. Is and as I've done research into others, and nothing, by the way, in my life that I thought I'd ever be spending time on. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny how some life changes, you know. And now you're like in the epicenter of all this paranormal activity and the serial killer stuff, and you're on different. TV shows and podcasts and stuff talking about it. I bet you would have never thought at 20 years old this is what you'd be doing in your middle uh, middle age. No way on God's green earth would this have been the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean, it's 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 interesting. It's fascinating because you find a part of life that you just don't see in in normal everyday experience. And yet, if I had a point about this. You do because you just never know who that guy is who's walking down that street, that guy that's sitting at the table next to you or anything else. Yeah. Dahmer was one of those people because he didn't have a sign that said, I'm a serial killer. I eat people. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not walking around like that. (laughs) And then you think about the you know the program Dexter, right? Yeah. And and uh and that is obviously stylized after part of Dahmer because Dahmer was a smarter than average guy. He had this gift about him apparently because we talk about this a lot that he was able to bamboozle uh, the judges the prosecutors the cops everybody and these are people that are seasoned that deal with people every day and make decisions about you know do i let this guy off do i do this with this i got to prosecute you know whatever the case might be these are seasoned people and he was able to get past everybody yeah, that's amazing. And, and you've mentioned that the Milwaukee police came into Shakers after they were in his apartment when they were going through it. What was it like with the officers in there after being in his apartment? Oh, Christ, you know. So we, we, as I remember that night in July, we had uh, we had you know just some off-duty cops that are there anyway, um, and the they are getting people stopping by that are on duty that are saying, "Hey, this is going on. Have you heard about this?" Because this is, you know, obviously thirty years ago, people weren't as plugged in as they are today. And then we have kind of people coming and going kind of a thing. And then after um, the discovery, let's put it that way, um, we had these two guys come in first that uh, Tom Jacobson was the lead guy. And he had a contract with the city of Milwaukee for hazardous waste removal. Oh, God. Oh, oh man. Yuck. This so firm got the call. Not obviously... You know, this isn't just like a body by the side of the road. This is yeah. more onerous. So you, you get there, and now you've got refrigerators and freezers that have heads in and body parts and whatever Jesus. else. Wow. That's a whole different discovery. <laughs> yeah, so you got tubs of soil axe or something else going on, and this this terrible smell. Of you, I can't mm. even imagine it uh, on the road. But. I can't imagine how his neighbors never 
Yeah. Like sooner than what he got caught. Like, Jesus, <laughs> right. No, I, I look at it this way. You, you, you go to, go to new Orleans, you go to the South of France and on the wrong day, you get this really ripe fetid kind of a smell. Right. And you got to think about, um, there are some conditions in this country. Obviously there's a lot of conditions in this country that are less than the norm. And you are, um, you know, you got, you get a desperate situation there for living for people. And it's right. not, it's not all bright and sunny. It's not the burbs. It's not whatever. So, you know, I, I guess that they're accustomed to having sewage backups or something else going on, right. but, you know, month after month, year after year. It's, um, it, it is odd. Yeah. Man, one of the very many peculiarities about this whole caper is how people didn't get torqued up to the smell and or even with the, you know, the the annual visits by the building inspector, the plumbing inspector. Right. Yeah. How that, can they miss that? That's just insane to me. <laughs> exactly. How how do these people that are out inspecting not sniff this out? No pun intended. Right. right. So that right. was a good uh, little clip there from that interview we did with Bob. Very fascinating guy. Um, really love talking with Bob Weiss. Chris, I know you love Dude, talking, talking to Bob, too. about that there, like you, at the end there when he was talking about inspectors not noticing shit. Like, what right. the fuck? And you know what's cool? You talk about going up to Shakers and how cool Bob is. You know, when you go up there and he's there and he's out on that front deck... Smoking, smoking his cigar, a cigar having a drink. He's 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 really out. good socializing with all his with customers. Everybody. So fucking makes you cool. feel at home for real. No it really what. does. I know every time I go up there, he always says "Welcome home." So it's, it's pretty <laughs> cool. So, all right. Well, the 1994 interview with Stone Phillips was really good. Um, he talks with Dahmer. Uh, his father is, of course, there with him, but the mom is is done separately. Right. Because these two are like yeah, they, fucking not going to mix. Yeah, they ain't going to get along together. No. Uh, hearing the mother was very interesting. Um, she felt that the upbringing was very normal and very similar to her own. Um, she said her parents fought and that many f- marriages end in divorce, which is true. Right. Um, his father talks about how she had these strange seizures. And we talked about the, the drugs she was taking he claims, you know, this happened during the pregnancy, which, of course, could have very easily right. fucked up, you know, Jeffrey. However, the mother denies this. And as we said, we got two different opposing. We don't know what to make of it. That is fucking weird because I did see something about he would like fake seizures and when he was in high school and yeah. shit, too. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fucking weird. It is very strange. So who knows with this? But you know, we're just telling you what we've you know found out as we go through it. Um, the mother was also going to write a book, but it was never published. So hard to say. The interview had the co-author with her, right? Uh, who was almost like an attorney. She yeah. was stepping in here and there, but like, don't um, say that. Yeah, she doesn't want to talk about that or whatever. We know how fucking we really know in this day and age how fucking staged all media is. Of course, yeah. Back then, you didn't really know quite as much, and it, but to, to see it, it was really fucking interesting. And supposedly that. That interview was the first time that Dahmer's dad and him had seen each other in person I, I, right. since oh, yeah. he got arrested. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and like I said, it's hard to be like, oh, you can play that up and, you know, whatever. Right. But the fucking interaction between him and his dad, it is very, very interesting to watch it is. that. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And oddly, the younger brother, you know, successfully goes on to college. Yeah. He becomes, you know, a success. It's crazy how one kid turns out one way, one kid the complete opposite. Chris is a father. You've got three kids. I've got two. Right. You know, 
we know the kids are different. My kids the, are very different from each other. It's just weird how that is, you know. My kids, are, my son's obviously different. He's off. He's older and he's off doing his own thing. Right. The girls are kind of one and the same, but they, like you said, they both have their own thoughts of what they want to do. Right. Like even what they want to do in the future or whatever. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I so, mean, I mean it's very feasible that one kid could have been unaffected by this whole weird marriage. I'm pretty sure my And the other one is, is like completely. <laughs> she, might be, she might be a podcast feature one day. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> now, Joey, when did Dahmer start to escalate his murders and... Can you give us just kind of a snapshot? I mean, I know there's 17 of them, and we're not going to get into the detail of each one, but just generally go through the the victims. I mean, how many and how spread out were they over how many years? Well, I mean, as we all know, his uh, first victim happened in Ohio. Right. uh, In 78. Right. And there was, you know, a lot between that one and, um, you know, when he started going off in Milwaukee. Right, exactly. Right. So uh, it wasn't until, so 1987 is whenever he took a second victim. Gotcha. Uh, Steve and Tommy. Um, I can't remember if that was the exact, that might have been the ambassador one, because I know they had gone into the hotel. I know there was an early one. It very well could right. have been that one. Exactly. And uh, Where he that, went and got the suitcase. And that's and put exactly, in the suitcase. Yeah, that is that's exactly this per- one right here, yes. Yeah, where he dude. got the suitcase. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> fucked up. That's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, that cab driver's helping him put it in the back of the cab. Jesus <laughs> Christ, that's man. fucked, man. That takes some brass fucking balls there, God, man. Like, damn. Just saying, fuck it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Help me, bitch, you know? Like, seriously? What, what do you got in here? Uh, <laughs> my zombie... Yeah, <laughs> that would have been funny if he would have taken the same cab as uh, Richard Cottingham with that his would bowling have been pretty ball fucked up. bags. Yeah, right. Pretty fucked so, up. <laughs> so anyway, he, uh, you know, he kills. Was it two there at his grandma's? Right. And right. She kicks him out in 1988, and he goes and gets the infamous apartment 213. Right. 213. Right. Um, and he had 13 victims over that time. Uh, to account for the 17 that he killed. Gotcha. Um, which he got caught, like we were saying, in 1991. So basically it was like a 10-year killing spree right. of just hardcore brutality and fucking Very hard. much so. And, I mean, the things that he was getting away with, and the fact was he was, I mean, he had fucking body parts. The shit smelled. Yeah. I don't know, man. I it, mean, stuff the, the in fact the that he lived fridge, in such a stuff in the place, freezer, yeah. stuff like, was he was he in the process of cooking stuff? I it's I it's hard so. to tell. I don't think so. You know how that is. Like fucking yeah. media, they were talking to that shit with oh, that sure. Gein too. They're like, oh, you walk into Gein's house, and it's uh, like some of that shit wasn't really true. But, right. Uh, with a Dom, but he I, did have he had parts nine the, vaginas in a shoebox though. You know, what I'm saying that's <laughs> yeah. true. There, like, there's that. True. That is true. There's there, had that. Be, <laughs> yeah. there had to be a stench when you walked in there. Oh yeah, I mean that. Well, they did say that some of the neighbors complained, but I don't think they no, not they, really they definitely complained. Nothing I, really came of it. No, and apparently it's not. Like the fucking health department or any kind of building inspector came to fucking wow. So because it had to be awful. Oh, it must that. have been. God, I, mean, I, I, I can barely disgusting. take it when the, when the garbage in the, in the, the I kitchen know. smells. Let alone. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I couldn't even imagine it. 
So uh, 1991, when it all came to a head, of course, right? It wasn't even it, the reason why it all stopped was because fucking one of them escaped. Yeah, yeah, and that you know somebody out on the street saw him, right? Know, Which is that lady Bob talked to on exactly. his show? Yeah, it the, was fascinating. The uh, the and that kid. Oh my god! Because man, there's so much to talk about. Because there's of course <laughs> there was one other escape beforehand. Yeah, the Malaysian kid that got out, and then the cops gave him back. Yeah, yeah. he was like a 13 year old Malaysian kid. Yeah, that, like got out. They're like had been brutalized, and Dahmer left him in his apartment. Went to the bar, had some drinks, come back. He's outside talking to these chicks. Oh, and. uh Cops show up and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's my nineteen year. He's nineteen. He's like a friend of lovers quarrel or what the fuck ever." Right, and right. The cops just let him go because, like you said, they didn't want to deal with the old gay right. dudes in that time and that right. area. Like, I don't care. Get the fuck but out of here. This was so right. fucking crazy. I mean, That's a nuts. it's a young person. Right. B, they're obviously intoxicated or on drugs. Yeah. Right. How many of them were under eighteen, Joey? Uh, I don't know. I would have to look that up, to be honest. I, I know there I was think, him, and then the, the, the last one was under yeah, 18. Yeah, I think there were only a couple. And you know what else I was trying to look up, but I can't fucking remember this goddamn fact. The I, I think it was that Loatian boy had a brother who Dahmer... One, he killed one, molested the other, or something yes. like that. Oh, wow. I mean, maybe the kid that got something away, like, yeah. he had killed his brother earlier on. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's fucked. Wow. I do remember hearing something about oh, okay. that. Okay, yeah, Fuck. yeah, yeah. No, this is what it was. The boy, 14 years old, right? The one that got out of his house and, you know. Right. Uh, he was the brother of the Loatian teen Dahmer had molested three years earlier. Prior, oh, okay. Right. Wow. So, yeah, that's just, just fucking crazy That is shit. fucked up. What a horrible coincidence, yeah. you know. What a terrible neighborhood. Uh, right? God damn. For <laughs> CK, real. it sounds like his parents, you know, obviously, you know, we've been talking about it, you know, their health issues, even their mental health, both of them seem a little off here. Um, um, and managed to get him even more twisted up. I mean, what do you think? It, it sounds like kind of a concoction of all these different things we've been talking about. Yeah, and it just, you know, he's, he's, he's probably had all these deficits, you know, when he was younger, obviously, and, and right. his parents he probably inherited some from his parents to begin with. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, and the drugs together, she was taking, if she was right. taking them, and you know, that, that obviously that, is going to fuck them up. That could, you know, fucked them up even more. Oh, sure. And, you know, you put it together and, and this is what you get. You get, you get a fucking, um, this guy who's just a fucking, a fucking monster, sad- man. sadistic fuck. Yeah, I mean, the details of these crimes are absolutely horrible. Um, I would like to talk about just the general way these typically went, Joey. I mean, he, he's he's at the bars. Right. Chris, we took the walking tour, so we were actually yeah, in front of these places. It was really, I mean, they're not open anymore. But right. yeah, the Very building, interesting. Yeah, the tour is so fucking, fucking cool about that stuff. We're going to get into that later. But, you know, what's what was his thing? He would stand and check out these places and on right. the street he was picking them up yeah and i mean well and in the clubs too but uh right. Dahmer, okay so this guy who already is fucked up in the head he's already fucking killed and everything else so he's, he's, cool he's there well yeah but so all all everything was probably anti uh that lifestyle homosexuality right over here in ohio then all of a sudden he moves to milwaukee there's a there's a gay nightclub 
Sure. There's a there's whole, whole area strip. right where he's oh, yeah. accepted. The problem is, is he's not being accepted in this at the right time, you know, before shit gets too haywire. He's already fucking crazy. Right. Right. So he's like, okay, now he finds this nightclub or, the, you know, this nightlife. He's got these, already has these incessant desires. They're in him. Uh, he's he's killing. So now, yeah, like he says, so he's watching guys. He's meeting them outside the clubs, meeting them inside the clubs. Uh, big thing he liked to do, uh, photography. Yeah, he oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how we lure them back. Right. You're right. like, hey, I just I'll want take to take some, some pictures, pictures of you. Right. I'll, I'll give you some money. A lot of these people didn't have money in that. Yeah, find right. a sex worker or whatever. Yeah. I'll give you money to he's fucking like, come take some sure. pictures. And a lot of times, they'd be, you'd be like, man, we ain't even got to do nothing. I just wanted to get some pictures right. of you. Come back to my place. Sure. I'll give you some drinks. Yeah. So give you some that's drinks, what they do. He lured a lot of them back to his place because... You know, he got he got in some trouble too because he was uh, drugging the people in some of the clubs, and they knew that. Like the oh, club, yeah, like, and yeah. so he got he, like eighty six from him, yeah, right. And people were okay. like, "No, that that dude, he's got problems." So the, some people already knew that he'd probably, you know, right. stay away from him, right. But you know, he's got these other guys. He brings them back to his place, right. He, he would take some pictures with some of the boy. What his thing was, he would drug sure. them. Right. He would be like, "Okay, I'll get you a drink," and I don't know exactly what he was mixing in, right, uh, house or something, but sure. Man, he would make some drink, and before you know it, they're in his control. Right. Now, what uh, was he doing with, like, drilling holes and right. fucking well, shit like so that? So his method of, of – his actual method of killing them was usually either strangling or stabbing. Uh, the thing with Dahmer is they always said he never he never liked the act of killing right. people. He, That's he not what he was after. Right. He just yeah. wanted them to be there with him right, uh, and not leave. So like when they were passed out on the drugs, he'd like lay there and listen to their exactly. heart and shit. Like, so, wow. so the thing was, is, okay, how do you get this person to stay with you, but not be this dead carcass that's rotting in my bathtub like right. the other guy? Right. So what's he do? Yeah. He, he had been looking into uh lobotomy. Right. Um, and, uh, creating, literally creating a human zombie. Yeah. And so he was drilling so holes into up. the temples and uh, trying to, you know, lobotomize part of the brain, in which case he would then pour in acid. acid like yeah. erratic acid. Yeah. Jesus fuck, and just man. fucking fry their shit. And, and he did boiling water, too. And he's, you know, God, he said, man, unfortunately. That's like Joseph Mengele fucking yeah. Nazi fucking and, shit. And, you know, there. he that's said, fuck. unfortunately, it, it just never worked. Wow! <laughs> no that shit, so really? fucked up. So then, so then they're dead, and then that's when he starts chopping them up, right? And, and then he starts dismembering them, and it, you know, he, he had already had that uh, that infatuation with the with the roadkill and, the, and, right, and right. looking into the bodies. So for him to start dissecting these human bodies, he's about that. Oh, he's, yeah. he's getting the pieces that he loves. The genitals, the heads, right. biceps. He's keeping like, he that about shit. The he was putting them in like jars. Yeah. Oh, how was he storing these? He, well, he had some. Uh, he had some in jars, and I think he had like formaldehyde and things like that. Yeah. Okay, but okay. he also had I don't know how many, but fifty-five gallon drums with torsos. Yeah. Right. He, I mean, he had the parts. <laughs> he had the parts. He was a meat market. This for is sure. like spellbound like, effects in art. Oh before God. there was spellbound yeah. effects in art. I mean, this you can't imagine. Maybe that's where Tony learned. Maybe Tony lived yeah. next door chris you know i i, I gotta wonder if this motherfucker has like you walk into i mean you already gotta smell so people that are coming back you know to take oh, these pictures man, yeah smell some. how you, the hell does he get anybody to stay right. in that apartment so does, for more than five oh, minutes God. so does he just keep you know the living room right where you walk in that's probably like the only spot that was like 
clear of like it, it looked kind of normal. I bet, and I bet he had. The, right. I think from like the I, layout. I, bet, I bet you, I bet you probably had one of those old old glade stick things. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! But, but you couldn't have Febreze. You couldn't have walked into his house and gone in the fridge. You right. couldn't have gone in. No, there's the no way. Yeah. Oops, I'm in the bedroom. What go the piss. fuck How is this? T- what do you tell them to do? Because you got to, f- maybe not all the time, but, you know, he had a fucking body in the bathroom when they well, fucking yeah. caught him. Yeah. Right. In the bedroom, he had fucking bodies. It's like, man, yeah. everywhere you go in that house, you're going to fucking freak the shit out. That's so fucked what, up. The, well, I, was it the first? I don't remember which one it was, but, like, he the decapitated head, he boiled down and started painting him gray and yeah. shit. Oh, like yeah. That for his oh, altar. And, and, yeah, he was trying to make the altar. And, of course, you know, the final thing, the final taboo of Dahmer, well, necrophilia, of course, too, having sex with the dead bodies. Right. The big taboo is the cannibalism. Yeah. Right. Which right, for sure. made him the sensation of what he was, the right. Milwaukee cannibal. Like, right. about it. Right. Yeah. And, and he did that. And his reasoning was he wanted them inside of him right. so that Forever. he could possess that shit. Yeah. And his... His favorite movie was Exorcist Three. Yes, and he would. <laughs> we watch talked that about show. how amazing yeah. that shit yeah. is too. And, and he just fucking Legion. had ideas to connect that shit. And he, man, wild. Yeah, definitely. I feel uh, like Dahmer probably like they didn't really talk about. I feel like he probably did a lot of drugs too. Yeah, he probably. Uh, you're probably did. right. You're probably he right. It's fucking because brain. whenever they talk to him, like you know the Stone Phillips interview and all that, you're you're seeing him and he's talking. He's he's pretty like a normal dude. Like right, he's there. Like I wouldn't call sure. him like too insane in that situation. No. But at the time when he was doing all this shit, man, I bet his mind was just so fucked. He's like, man, I'm a crazy motherfucker into Satanism and fucking, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was a lot different on the outside than yeah. after he was inside and clean oh, for time. a while. Yeah. You know. Um, now, Chris, we talked with Bob about his interview with Nicole Childress. She's the woman that was there uh, when the last victim of Dahmer ran out into the street naked and dazed. I mean, that's that's a fucked up story man yeah and listen i mean even secondhand from bob like hearing the story was pretty fucking insane to like have this happen in front of you and yeah she was pretty fucking young with like like yeah and it ruined her life i mean she's been hounded i mean it's pretty fucked up the stuff bob talks about in that interview so we're gonna play some of that from the person that talked to this uh, woman that witnessed that last victim running out. So check this out, and we'll be back on the other side. Now, you've done some Shakers uh, videos on YouTube, which I think are awesome. Um, it's a great way to get the word out, obviously. Uh, the one you just did uh, with Nicole Childress, she was a witness to part of the Dahmer experience. Can you give our listeners a, a little insight into what that was like talking to her? Again, not to use the word too often, but it comes up a lot of the Dahmer lore is that this was a harrowing conversation oh, wow. that I had with her because here she is describing being a 17-year-old girl with her 18-year-old cousin, um, and they're walking down the street, and they, they see this kid that's kind of staggering towards him who's got a hole in his head, and he's bleeding from his butt. So the kid is completely dazed and uh, out of touch, right? Right. So they take it upon themselves to call the police. And you got to think about, again, 30 years ago, yeah. what this would have been. So you're in a dark street, right? And you see this this naked kid that is kind of floundering around kind of thing, and you're taking it upon yourself 
to call the police and report this. So the cops get there, and uh, I've, I've known the three cops that were involved with this. And um, Dahmer had been uh, at a bar drinking because he had uh, originally tried to take over uh, the, the body and the mind of Conrex Sapone, who was 14 years old, a Laotian boy. 14 years old, Pete. Yeah, that's wow. uh, pretty brutal in itself right there, just the age. Yep. So um, Dahmer uh, is not successful as he's bored into his head and his brain is not completely shut down yet. So Dahmer's like, yeah, I'm going to go get myself a couple of beers. I'll be back when it's, you know, ready. So it's almost like putting a, something in the oven kind of a thing, right? Right. Uh, Dahmer goes, has a couple of beers. He goes uh, to a little strip club that's right down the block. And, you know, it's obviously, it's all female dancers. And this is something else that Dahmer used to go to Ricky's on State Street often to try to pick up. He didn't care male or female, honest to God. But he's known for picking up and killing and eating men. That might have been his preference. But there were times when he was intoxicated enough. He's just looking to just take a Stalking for anybody. I control I control anybody, you know. That's crazy. So, wow. Um, because I think that they're, you know, obviously professional strippers, they're uh, more inclined to just, you know, just get out of here kind of thing, right? Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. They got so bodyguards I, and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's what worked in their favor. Anyway, so Dahmer comes back after having a, a beer or two, and, and now he sees that the police are there. There's three cops and two squad cars, and there are these, uh, these two African-American women which is, I think, interesting because, um, you know, he was not concerned about race at all. He didn't give a crap what you look like, what your race was or anything else. Right. It's, not, it's incorrect. He, he wanted good-looking people. He didn't care what your race was. Uh, so he really fixated on the physical appearance, but not the other characteristics that might determine that, whether it's race or color or something else. So he's got these, uh, the Laotian boy, and he's white, and the cops are all white. And you got these two African-American women who are concerned about what's going on with this kid. So the cops are um, able to persuade the two women that uh, they're in charge. They're in control. They don't need the whole story. They're, you know, frankly, they're a little pushy about this because, and I got nothing but respect for what cops do every day. Yeah. But in this case, they got uh, two young girls, 17 and 18, that are trying to tell them not necessarily how to do their job, but you know what, what the, what the, the, the form, right. Right. We're telling what the situation is right now. So at that time, as Dahmer strolls up, he apparently is saying, Hey, Hey, it's uh, you know, this is just my 19 year old boyfriend. And we, we had a little fight and I went out to get a beer and uh, you know, I, I was, I was mad at him cause he was drunk when he, uh, you know, I came home before and uh, I just wanted to get away for a while and, and I'll take care of him because you know, it's my boyfriend. And the cops are like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so they unfortunately didn't do any discovery. They looked for anyone's ID. They didn't ask any further questions. In fact, they, they helped Dahmer get 14-year-old Conrad Sithisapone back to Dahmer's apartment. Ugh, unbelievable. Could you imagine that feeling, the feeling they have after that? Oh, yeah, the guilt. Yeah. I can't. And shortly thereafter, Dahmer murdered Conrex sent this opponent and started to hack him apart. So when you're asking about the interview with Nicole, it was brilliant. I think this is only the second interview that she's done since this took place. And her oh, wow. Life, 
her life was a complete mess for many years. I can only believe it. Uh, people that were around her, associated with her, disappeared. Um, she had hired an attorney at one point because she was getting harassed by so many things by even, as she tells the story, even parts of the administration and things. So she hired an attorney, and that attorney just disappeared one day, was no longer in her office. and was Wow. Just, so, and other people had actually died as well. So she has uh, some really interesting thoughts and and um, collateral damage that goes along with her experience with this. But I'll let you and the viewers watch her story for yourselves and yeah. see what's going on. But she is definitely affected and how it impacted her aunt because she had to run to her aunt's house to use a phone. It's not a cell phone thing, right? Right, right. And then the aunt uh, herself has called and said um, to the police department, you know, my, my daughter and my uh, niece had just came upon this, this young man and, um, you know, suddenly they're gone and, you know, whatever. And the police said, no, no, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And then a few days later, uh, I think there was a published account about Conorak being missing. And she called back and said, hey, this might be that young man. And the, the aunt is the one who's making the phone call. And uh, she was, again, shut down by the by the police department. Uh, you know, don't tell us how to do our job. We're on top of this. We've got this. Oh, this boy. It is whatever else. So, there, you know, unfortunately, uh, at that time, there was a um, real desire to just kind of cover things up or just to not be involved with something else. Policing today is a much different thing. Again, cops today, um, you know, they go through a much different rigorous training process they uh, decide, for the most part, who can and can't wear that badge. Um, obviously, mistakes happen from time to time, but this is one of those big mistakes, man. So, yeah, yeah. real big mistake, real big, yeah, mistake. real big mistake. I mean, her entire life, Nicole's entire life to this point has been deeply affected. Now, she's got her own hair salon, and she seems to be doing okay with that. Um, and she's got a, a really good attitude. But once you talk to her a little further, you kind of get into this under, underbelly that you could just see man it's like people who who fought in nam it's just not yeah for sure now how much of a mark did the Dahmer crimes leave on milwaukee and do you still do you or the city in general still feel it nearly 30 years later uh well um a huge impact i mean for many years you you had every uh major news or media source in the country and beyond that was down on second street and that was filming this you know the the Island of Despair kind of a thing, you know, because it's the warehouse district anyway. And uh, there were some rough times in the early 1990s. And this just really, you know, legs up. It was the hammer on the nail that just drove it to its own death for a while. And it, it did, quite frankly. So um, we've had a number of documentary companies, or even the BBC was through last year, doing a piece on the ramifications and repercussions of you know, the impact of having a serial killer living in your area and what that does um, to the community. So certainly from a business perspective, it was like Deadsville because people didn't want to go down there. For sure, sure. I can believe that. Yeah, if nothing else, it really it kind of put a, a, a point on the fact that, uh, you know, this is also where the alternative lifestyle people are. Right. Not that we cared about them before, but this is where they are, you know. Right. So, and then that in suburban America, of course, was bothered by that. And uh, so that had an impact. Um, fortunately, that's all gone now because every one of those gay bars is no longer in business. 
Um, and I'm not saying that the gay bar themselves are bad. I'm saying that times have changed so that, first of all, there's not, in, in my mind at least, there's not a reason to have a gay bar because everything is so integrated. And right, right, right. Frankly, who cares if you're gay or something else? Sure. So there's not the need for them. But um, every one of those joints has changed their, either changed their format tremendously or, or most have just gone out of business. Or I even suspect that the city probably helps some of those go out of business. I'm not privy to those conversations. <laughs> right. right. I would get that impression that, uh, geez, we're not renewing your license. Yeah, I, right. could, I could see that happening for sure, too. Like this is just, no, you're done. Give up. Yep. Yep. So, um, but I mean, it, it was, it was incredibly bleak after that. And it, literally you'd have these news cameras that were just down there filming the dead street. You could lay in the road and not be hit by a car. Wow. So that, that's all changed tremendously. The development around shakers is explosive. It's, it's firms from Chicago and New York and Philadelphia that have got huge investments in that now. And, uh, even from the last time you guys were there, um, there are new condo units and new residential units that have gone up really? and the investment is extraordinary to the point that I'm really kind of concerned about gentrification because, well, you know, gentrification is a mixed, mixed bag anyway, right. but, um, there are some buildings that are in danger of being lost because they have a higher value for something else's property and these beautiful historic architectural gems are going to be gone. Right. That's not cool. No, not at all. Very fascinating. Like, uh, talking about, like I said, talking about about that was wow. Yeah, that's a hell, of, like you said, hell of a fucking story, dude. Like, really, Jesus for sure. So the shit hits the fan in July on July twenty second, nineteen ninety one, when Dahmer's crimes are discovered and he is arrested. Now, Joey, how did that actually happen? I mean, the kid, you know, that got out. You know, Nicole was talking about, right. you know, that he wound up going back with Dahmer and then became a victim. Yeah. But then how did the cops end up going into the apartment? Uh, for whenever he finally got busted. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. that was a totally different situation. Like, they brought that child back to him. Right. He eventually killed him, of course. Right. I mean, that was fucking... Yeah, the cops got a lot of shit over yeah, that one. For yeah, for sure, yeah. man. That's awful. Um, I think by the time that the second incident occurred, in, you know, we just heard in the interview. Right. I mean, what what I, what do I think the difference between the two situations was? Is there was somebody there that really fucking was like, no, this shit is, is yeah. wrong. Something's fucked up here. Right, yeah. Where everybody I else just was, wonder, was it the smell that made them go I, in? I, I or was know. it like just him acting yeah. sketchy? Or? I don't know if it was that or if... Uh, I don't know what the exact reason was that they okay. ended up doing that or he if actually, they just had the actual probable cause because of the situation he, that was going on. And I think that the child might even, or, you know, victim might even had um, given a description oh, sure. of what they had seen. Right. I Man, I, like I said, I wish I, I, there's so much about this and so many people oh, have know, different dude. stuff. I know. But I thought that there were accounts maybe where they had seen a body in the bedroom, you know, of one of the other victims or something like that. Okay. So, well, something had to definitely tip oh, yeah, them off. Absolutely. Um, now, and, and like you said, fuck, how does the smell not tipping you off? I know. That's what <laughs> I'm amazed at. But, you know, it's easy to isolate these things down. I mean, in an apartment building, I've lived in apartments. You get somebody that just... They're cooking like you know oh, certain yeah. ethnic Thanks foods. Thanks for cooking fish tonight, bitch. Really strong <laughs> and it stinks, you know. So you have a lot of that, you know. 
<laughs> right. God, I mean, damn. you know, I don't know how many apartments there were in that building, but if his was 213, you know, obviously yeah. there's a lot of them. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, there's probably, it just got pushed off. Landlord not giving a fuck. Now we're going to talk here, uh, play this clip from the John Borowski interview who wrote that book, uh, Dahmer's confession I've been mentioning. Um, and here's what John had to say about Dahmer. Very, very interesting stuff. He talks a little bit about the mother and the relationship there. Um, but he gets more into the, after he's captured, or uh, arrested the the confession because that's what his book is about um and very very interesting take on it so check this out this is a longer clip this is about 20 minutes but it's worth it uh give it a listen speed altieri with murder metal mayhem and i'm doing this interview with filmmaker author podcaster and more john borowski thanks for taking the time out to do this john how's it going up there in chicago it's going great, you know, the usual, uh, Chicago's the home of, you know, uh, gangsters, serial killers, and <laughs> politicians, so, right? um, you know, that it's, I'm kind of like in a great place here, so. Yeah, you, you got know, job security up there. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I could be making these films on weirdos for the rest of my life, you know, but thank you, Pete, for having me on, it's always great to be on Murder Metal Mayhem, and, you know, anything I could do for you guys, I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed your book, uh, Dahmer's Confessions. I have, I think, all your books, and you always put a funny inscription in there. And this one you put, Pete, don't look in the fridge or something like that, which was great. Uh, How did that project come about? Uh, You've got quite a few of these books. Uh, Maybe our listeners are more aware of your films and not the books, but this one is really good. Thank you so much. Yeah, Dahmer was, uh, Dahmer's Confession was, I believe, my third book in the series. The first was on H.H. Holmes, and then I followed that up with the Ed Gein file, and I had come across Dahmer's complete interrogation and confession, and I thought, well, you know, this is, would be another great book for researchers, which is what I do. I, I take these original case documents and photographs and maps kind of like what I do with my documentary films, but put it in book form. So they're great, you know, compliments to either my films or, you know, serial killer culture or any other works that are out there. And it's just an easier resource for people to research, you know, rather than, you know, searching all over the entire United States or, you know, trying to go to courtrooms in Milwaukee to find the info. And it came about after the Ed Dean file was published in 2016 and Dahmer's Confession was next in 2017 and you know when I was going about it uh, I knew I had to kind of not only break up the monotony of the confession so I inserted some you know newspaper uh, you know uh, segments and some maps of Dahmer's apartment and some other artwork but you know I made sure at the end I wanted to you know put an art and ephemera gallery you know tying Dahmer into serial killer culture because he's a big part of that you know oh, I'm yeah. in group, you know how that goes you're probably in these groups I'm in groups of Dahmer groups with females now who profess their love for Dahmer that's <laughs> true they love it they love him he's dead and he was gay but they still want him <laughs> they do I well that's what good, Bob says they're the biggest group that comes through the Dahmer tour is the millennial yes. female 
Yes, they are, you know, and, and, you know, the females are the largest demographic for true crime, but especially, you know, some of them like Dahmer and I don't, you know, bemoan them. That's great. You know, there's nothing, you know, they can't get anything out of it anyway. I'm a friend with a girl in Australia, you know, and she's bought my book and, you know, I see her posts where, you know, she posts pictures of her kissing Dahmer and stuff. And I'm like, I just think it's cute. You know, he's dead. He's, right. you know, hey, spread the word of true crime, right? Sure. So that's why I included that art gallery at the end of the book by artists such as Nico Clow, Shane Owen, a.k.a. Sam Heen. You know, again, it just, again, illustrates how Dahmer was part of that, is part of that serial killer culture. And the cover of the book, you know, yeah. by Annie Clift, you know, it's that epitome of Dahmer. It's his mugshot. And when they're carrying out the barrels. Yeah, I was very iconic. And yeah, I really liked the way you did that. Uh, the whole, all your books are very well put together. They look really good. That was my first experience with you as I ordered the fish book and DVD. And I was like, wow, this is really well put together. So your books look really good, too. They're definitely getting their money's worth. Thank you. You know, and again, I, I put them out there for people to appreciate them. I don't make a ton of money off this stuff. You know, we're all artists. Right. We're all struggling. And, and that's why we help each other, you know, especially the true crime horror realms. And, and you know, which is a great thing. And we all kind of know each other. So Yeah, I agree. I think it is good to be able to help each other out, especially right now. Now, I found the part of your book by Stephen Giannangelo very fascinating. It's not a long section, but it's a very well-written synopsis of what he kind of thinks about you know what made Dahmer do what he did what do you how do you look at what I mean obviously you put it in your book but I mean what do you think about some of the stuff he brought up yeah I you know I agree you know Steve Giangelo is an expert you know in his book real life monsters I highly suggest oh it's amazing isn't it you know I mean I you know I I think I told you, read through it, and then you read through it again because there's so much to take in, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he, it, the book is phenomenal. It's, it's, you know, my top favorite, you know, true crime book, you know, exploring the psychopathology of serial murderers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I agree with his assessment. You know, I always felt that, you know, Dahmer was lonely in the end. Obviously, you know, that's not an excuse for what he did. Right. But, you know, I think Dahmer, some of these serial killers, if they were pushed in the right direction, like Dahmer could have made a great surgeon. Sure. Think about it. That's right. he wanted to know what the insides of the bodies were like. But beyond that, right. I think he was lonely. His parents took his little brother and left him alone in the house to fend for himself when he was 18 years old. Yeah, Imagine that's that. fucked up. I, I re- one account I read that the, the two of them were left, but then I do seem to recall reading that they took the younger brother but just left him so yeah that is awful yeah. right i mean you know you're becoming an adult and you know now's the time for you okay i'm gonna get a job maybe go to college have my parents to support me and they were like hey screw you you're on your own <laughs> right. you know, and they right, got divorced that you know, all that happened yeah. right as he graduates high school yeah they were both a little loony you know i just the other night a couple nights ago i watched that recent oxygen show Dahmer on Dahmer yeah and and I had never seen that before and what I found interesting was growing up Dahmer's mother never touched him only when she changed his diapers oh, and his wow. father you know when you when you see his father his father seems on cloud nine like he was right. probably not even aware of anything that was going on in Dahmer's life being an right. alcoholic 
you know, and now he says, oh, he should have found God and all this stuff. But, you know, you could tell he was out of it. So that way, too, it makes sense. Here's Dahmer. He doesn't want a human to communicate with because his parents didn't communicate with him. He wants another man just to lay there and do what he wants, but nobody's going to go along with that. Right, right. You know, sure. So when you when you look at his psychopathology in the grand scheme of things with his parents and you know how he grew up, it makes sense. You know, unfortunately. Yeah, but like when you watch that interview, the Stone Phillips interview with the parents yes. individually, of course, they all act they both act like it's the other one you know they neither right. of them of course is going to admit any fault you know of course yeah they finger point you know i know the mother was uh you know had you know uh mental issues she was on you know numerous drugs at the time and when she was when she was actually pregnant with tom or she was yeah. on all these drugs you know so you know in the end we still don't know what causes these things but you know with the help from people like steve gianangelo and some other experts that is a great reason why we should study these serial killers. At the same time, I was watching the Kemper one, which has a lot of, you know, and Kemper is very introspective. Oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm against the death penalty because if we get someone like Kemper or Dahmer who's going to sit down and say, here's why I did, here's why I think I did it, right. here's what I was doing, hey, if we could learn something from that, then, then why kill them? Then we're not going to learn anything from them. Right. I used to be a big proponent of the death penalty until I've, you know, through doing this podcast, we've done some of these, you know, uh, false confession stories and, you know, like that making a murderer, those types of things to put mm -hmm. enough doubt in my mind to go, you know what, if I can't trust the government to, you know, do anything right why the hell would I give them the choice, you know, the, the opportunity to kill the citizens of this country? So I don't uh, I don't b believe in it anymore. I think it's worse to contend condemn somebody to a life in a jail cell. So I think that, you know, let them rot. And like you said, if we can learn anything, that's great. Yeah, you know, or, you know, someone else will take them out, like in Dahmer's case. You true, know, that, true. You know, and, that's true. And, I think, and, you know, I think that's why they sent him to prison, because he obviously had some issues mentally. Right. But they probably sent them there knowing, well, somebody's going to Eventually, him. yeah, they'll get him. Yeah. That's for sure. Now, the uh, detailed confession of Dahmer is in your book, as you mentioned, and do you think it's rare for serial killers to go into that kind of detail? Because some we've talked about really get graphic and, and almost get off on, on re rehashing it. And others seem to, you know, like Israel Keys or some of these other ones that get kind of cheeky about, you know, holding back detail as a way to, you know, gain favor later. Right, exactly. That's exactly what the issue is. Sometimes they're reliving these crimes by telling them because who else have they told? No one. So they've had this deep hidden secret in them. And sometimes, like in Gacy's case and Dahmer's case and many others, it just comes spilling out right. at first, you know. But then, you know, it's also hard to know the truth from their fantasy world, yeah. which their fantasy world is also sensationalism. You know, right. Well, Henry Lee Lucas would be a great example of oh. that <laughs> to, to hear that guy killed seven, eight hundred people. He's like G de Ray. But yeah, but yet really, when it comes down to it, they think he only killed two or three, you know, but exactly. he got he got a bunch of Pall Mall cigarettes and strawberry milkshakes out of the deal. But <laughs> Yeah, totally messed up. Totally yes. messed up. You know, you have that, too. You know, like, for instance, was Panzer M's complete autobiography? 
pornography truthful? The majority, I believe so. Right. You know, Holmes wrote his, and yet one of Holmes' supposed victims came forward later and said, hey, I'm alive. Oh, that's right. You know? so yeah, or Pee Wee Gaskins is another yes, one who really talked yes. a big game, but, you know, maybe not so much, you know. Right. So I think, you know, they want that sensationalism. They all want to be remembered. And, right. and which is but which is why I'm surprised that Gacy took back his first confessions, you know, and after that he claimed he never did it because he could have been the biggest monster ever. You know, he could have made himself out to be that way for the rest of history, oh, but then sure. denied it. Right, know? right, right. Um, now, can you explain the shrine that Dahmer wanted to build in his apartment? You know, we're doing this Dahmer episode, and obviously the shrine is part of that. And I thought since, you know, you've got the drawings, as you mentioned, of what his apartment, how it was laid out and stuff. And talk a little bit about that and what that whole that was about. There's an excellent piece of artwork by Shane Owen, a.k.a. Sam Hain, which is beautiful. And, and that depicts Dahmer's shrine. And what Dahmer wanted his shrine to be was a long black table with the skulls of his victims on the table, two skeletons on the left and right sides of the table, and a lamp behind the table. A stool would be in front of the table because Dahmer said he wanted to meditate at the shrine. Right. He wanted, you know, when you think of some of these tribal, you know, uh, people, you know, I think, you know, he was kind of, you know, maybe in a past life he was in one of these, uh, you know, tribes of, you know, cannibals or people who would keep the skulls of their victims kind of in reference or, you know, showing that they have power over them, which is what he did to his victims anyways. He ultimately had power over them. Right. And he made this drawing of his vision, which he wanted to do, and that drawing is, you know, somewhere in a legal office or the court, you know, rooms in Milwaukee, but that drawing was close to him completing it, you know, having kept the skulls of his victims and other body parts. He was he was almost there. Yeah, that's that's just frightening. I know I've seen the sketches before, and it's just creepy to think somebody would actually, you know, like you said, he was on his way of, of being there. Uh, he didn't let him go a little bit longer. He may have had that thing uh, fully set up. It's just frightening to think your next-door neighbor could be doing something like that. Yeah, you know, his. I, I, it was interesting that they, you know, there was a Dahmer and Dahmer and Kemper on Kemper because their necrophilia was very similar. Kemper wanted to keep, you know, kept the heads and parts of his victims right. like Dahmer did. But, you know, I think Kemper's uh, growing up, his childhood was like Gacy's where Gacy had the father, you know, was abusive, whereas Kemper had the mother. True, true. Yeah, it's amazing how many of these serial killers have so many things in common when you look at that kind of stuff. The more of them you start to dig into, they start to, it's almost like you're telling the same story over and over again. But like you said, mother, father can sometimes be interchanged or, you know, the upbringing may be a little more rough in this one than the other. But they all seem to have the head injuries, the being bullied, you know, shy, that just on and on they share so many similarities it's really crazy and you know it's it's not always physical abuse because i think in Dahmer's case it was emotional negligence which is a form of abuse because well, you know sure. your mother you know your mother doesn't want to touch you your father doesn't even pay attention you could be drunk stumbling over opening a body in front of him you would just walk by right right now we've seen other well-known serial killers that have have came out and said that they were gay. Do you feel that that plays a part? 
especially in a time when this was not as socially acceptable of that penned up rage like we we saw in Gacy. I've I've always wondered if there's any correlation between the two. Yeah, I don't. I think definitely Gacy exhibited the symptoms of gay repression, keeping that inside of him at the time when he grew up. You know, just think, you know, growing into your teens and you know, and, and puberty in your teens in the fifties and sixties of America. Right. And being gay, you know, as well, 60s later was, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, the love generation, but early six, especially the 50s, that was the worst time to be gay in America. Yeah, and his dad was, his dad was brutal, you know. Yeah. Well, imagine hearing that every day from your own father, that they're despicable, nasty, dirty. Right. And then, again, it makes sense that Gacy repressed it because when he first confessed, I have the original, the first pencil to paper. In my apartment right now of when Gacy gave his confession, when the detective took it down. I have it right here, and it's going to be in the film. So Gacy says right on that piece of paper, oh, I'm I'm bisexual, I'm not homosexual. That was very important to him because how society saw homosexuals. And if they found out that he was doing it, while he had a business, his whole business would be over. I'm not saying that Gacy killed his victims, you know, to cover up you know, being gay, but that played a big part in his repression because think of how he buried his victims. He covered it up, covered them up in the crawl space, just like covering up his being gay. It's sad in the end that at that time period, you couldn't even be himself. Right. Now, you think in Dahmer's case, that played any part? I don't think Dahmer's being gay played a part in it. You know, the 80s, kind of, you know, coming into the early 90s, you know, homosexuality was becoming more accepted, of course. Right. But with, with Dahmer, I don't see that correlation, you know. I mean, he had desires for men when he was younger, you know, that there was that jogger that he was going right. to that he would see a jogger going down his road and he had fantasies because even from the beginning he wanted to possess these men totally by killing them or knocking them out. He didn't want to hey say, hey, you know, hi jogger, you know, what's going on, you know. But of course he could have been rebuffed and, you know, the guy could have got upset because he was gay. But, you know, I really think that ultimately Dahmer wanted control of them and it was kind of easier for him to, you know, dispense with the pleasantries in a sense. But later on, he refined it, of course. Right, right, right. Very, very interesting. Well, I'm glad I got to get your two cents on this because, like I said, we're doing this Dahmer episode. And I sure appreciate your input. What uh, I know you talked about the Gacy film, John. What else is coming up from you, and, and how can our listeners get a hold of your work, your books, your movies? Uh, what's going on? Yes, I'm currently working on the John Wayne Gacy murders, and that's pretty much evolving into a miniseries, I believe, because oh, wow. I've got, yeah, my current rough cut is about four or five hours, so, you know, I want to make it similar to the uh, last Ted Bundy documentary series where, you know, it was a, like a five-part series. Yeah. I'm working on that, and then I recently published the John Wayne Gacy book, Hunting a Predator, and also Panzeram at Leavenworth. Um, and right now, it's really, you know, still filming around Chicago. We just filmed recently at the LNL Tavern, where Gacy was uh, appeared in full pogo clown outfit several times. And Dahmer actually sat at the LNL Tavern and would look at Dunkin' Donuts across the street at the young gay men and, you know, potential victims. Wow! Wow! 
Very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and, and people could check out my work. My website is johnborowski.com, just my name. And my films are on Amazon Prime. And also, if they want to go to my store where I have autographed items, it's the same as my website, but it's store.johnborowski.com. Very cool. What about the uh, video show you've been doing, John? How's uh, anybody, uh, you want to tell anybody about that? Yeah, the show is called Crimes of Our Times. It's on the platform of Get Vocal, but I also upload the episodes to my YouTube channel. And, you know, I'm scheduling forward, so you and I will have to talk. We'll have you guys on my show because I'm scheduling the next round of interviews. It's been great. The reception has been great. You know, we've had Catherine Ramson and Harold Schechter and Jeff Gaither and Nico Clow, you know, all these people that are involved, whether in true crime, oddities, or art. Yeah, that's really cool. I did see you've had a slew of guests on there. That's really awesome. Yeah, and then another project I'm working on, which is very interesting. Again, the artist, Shane Owen, a.k.a. Sam Hain, we're going to do a serial killer coloring book. He's doing all these phenomenal black and white artworks that you should see some of these. You could go to his Instagram or Facebook and see he's got Gacy and uh, uh, Fred and Rose West. Oh, cool. yeah, these images, I want to color it. That's how I love these images. Very That's cool. Yeah, we did an adult activity book, and we've got a Joe Matheny, a Ricky Casso, and... Uh, Shit, yeah, man. Fuck stuff. yeah, man. Oh, John Borowski, good conversation yeah, to have. Yeah, a little disappointed I wasn't able to be here for that one. But yeah, it was too early, time though. Line, Timelines are fucked up sometimes. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, John needed to do it early, and Chris was still at work, so... It worked out. This uh, isn't my real job, dude. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) I would have a hard time paying, you know, the uh, uh, to buy a stamp with the money that uh, that would. I I I wish it was a real job. (laughs) Yeah, it would be awesome. Now, Joey, you had something to bring up that we had talked about before that clip from John Borowski that you wanted to add a detail that you had not said. Uh, Whenever we were talking about whenever uh, you know the last victim, Tracy Edwards. Uh, got out of Dahmer's custody, I guess you would say. And whenever the um, police were contacted, one thing I forgot to say, he had the fucking handcuffs on him. Right. Which that, I think, was a big part of, you know, what gave the cops the probable cause to go up to the apartment. And Tracy Edwards also, you can, I mean, obviously you can hear his account, you can see his testimony and everything else. Right. He was... He was fucked up, and probably, you know he was under the influence of the drugs. Or right, but he was coherent enough to know what the fuck was He's going like, on. No, this shit right. is happening yeah. to me. Right and Dahmer now. did time from that one, right? Well, he didn't do time from that. Well, yeah, he did do time for that because that's where he ended up getting arrested. Getting, yeah, that's <laughs> right. where he got fucking but, busted, busted. But what we were talking about earlier, whenever he had the thirteen-year-old uh, boy, uh, the Loatian boy, um, you know, who he later killed his brother, but. Uh, in 1988, he had gotten busted because he offered him $50 to pose nude for him. For right. Pictures. right. Yeah. And then he got in trouble for that, and he did get arrested, and he uh, did 10 months in prison. Okay. So he was already you know, a sexual offender on right. that list. And then they said he was on probation from that whenever he got out, and he checked into probation every month. Okay. But they never once went to his place because they said their caseworkers were so overworked. Wow. That, you know, they had to bypass certain things or whatever. Yeah. So, Jesus. yeah, that whole time, he was on probation that. from that shit. Wow. And his house and was still cared. fucking yeah. 213. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's fuck- fucked yeah. up. That is really fucked up. So I'm glad I'm glad we uh, we brought that uh, up. Right. Instant brutal rewind. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, um, 
you know, the, the book that John wrote has the full confession in it. You could see the handwritten confession and then the notes from the, the police detailing every one of the 17 murders. So if you're really into Dahmer and you don't have this book, I would suggest it. It's really well done. John's books are very professionally laid out. They look really good. He's got pictures in it. He's got uh, sketches of what the apartment layout was like. And how he was going to build his shrine. Yeah, the shrine, which, of course, John talked about uh, in that clip, which I find very fascinating. But I'm wondering, um, you know, he also gets into the murderbilia side of this. And we've talked about, you know, Shakers and their Jeffrey Dahmer Cream City Cannibal Tour. What do you guys think? You know, I know that, you know, we have like an open discussion here about that whole concept. I know, Chris, we've done this a lot. We had a whole friggin' segment whole, about murderabilia right. once. We had, uh, you know, a good discussion there. But what do you think? I mean, you could see the side of the victim's families, totally like, seriously. Like how, are you, how are you sensationalizing what happened to my fucking family member right. or whatever. I mean, look at me. I'm get, wearing oh, the Cream City Cannibal t-shirt right. with Dahmer on and, it. And we, and we all, all of us fucking wear shirts with a, some kind of true crime serial killer or whatever the fuck on it. Right. And maybe it ain't the best thing in the world, and I guess, but if it's something that I dig and I get into, I'm going to want some merch from that. Just like favorite sports team whatever i mean i know i'm comparing fucking serial killers to sports it's pretty fucked up <laughs> but uh i just fucking <laughs> i don't know if you have I mean, that if you have that opportunity like bob has with shakers yes Dom was there, but also it was fucking uh uh goddamn oh fuck why can't the fucking gangster motherfucker why can't i think oh, of capone yeah. al capone God, yeah man. i mean he could totally do out. a capone thing down yeah. there i mean that's shakers is, place so that's, that's like, true the brothers that, yeah that money it, it's it's history i guess is what i'm saying right joey what do you think about that um i agree with you i mean fuck if it was my sister that was killed by something like that right would i want that shit being known Right. I mean, that could definitely change how I see things. Unfortunately, I've never gone through something like that, so I have a fascination with it. Right. I'm going to be looking around for it as long as right. people like me have the fascination and whatnot. You're always going to have people, you know, that are going to try to, uh, you know, you make a buck or two off it or whatever the case, or you're just trying to spread it. The thing that I find, I mean, as, as bad as you want to look at it, we're doing a podcast about it right now. Right. We're part of it. Right. We're yeah, part of it. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. So at the same time, what are you going to take from it? Are you going to come into this just so you can hear the disgusting facts? Because there's right. those kinds of people. There's also people who I consider more like myself and who I consider a lot more of our listeners. They're here to hear information, to understand something and tr- right. try to figure things out. Because there is so much darkness and fucked up shit in the world, people do want to try to understand that. It's not like you're trying to glorify the fact that this victim was killed. Right. I'm not over here on this podcast like, yeah, I'm anti this specific victim. Right, of course. Exactly. Or, you yeah. know, and it, it, it's human curiosity. Exactly. Right. I mean, well, just like, they've been doing it since the Roman gladiator days. Right. You I, know mean, what I mean, if, like, if there's uh, a if there's a fucked up car wreck and it's fucking bloody, you're going to stop look. and look. Right. Right. Exactly. Everybody like, is. Uh, Keith Jefferson's daughter. Like, she fucking wrote a book, podcast, right. everything—the whole yeah. happy foot or happy face fucking killer shit. Yeah. Like, and 
like you said, it's more for yeah. information. She's the one that did that. She did that show, right? Where oh, she yeah. gets she gets a victim of yes. the crime together yes. with yeah. somebody who was a family see, she member. She used yes, it in 100%. a positive way. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's it, nothing wrong with that. I really see nothing good. wrong with no. with what Bob's doing. I think it's like you said, Chris. It's an historical. I mean, if you're interested in this subject, yeah. you learn an awful lot in that hour walk. I, I ain't gonna lie. There's there's a couple there's a couple situations you could look into. And it's like, man, I don't know, because like bands using uh, fucking um, Sharon Tate's image, yeah. for an album cover or a right. T-shirt graphic, right? And it's like, okay, now you're glorifying the victim that got killed, yeah, and that's ruthless. But man. People are going to fucking people check that fine line. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. And it's, it's I think, you know, people should be able to do what they want. Right. But I understand the other side of it, and I just was interested to, you know, well, what we well, all like thought said, about I, it. I don't see anything with Bob's doing wrong. No, I don't yeah. see anything wrong with it. At no. the same time, if I'm ever at a show somewhere, and I'm wearing a fucking Dahmer shirt, or I'm wearing something, and somebody's fucking family member or something walked up to me and blasted me in the fucking face for it, right. I don't even know if I get mad about right, it. I get right. it. <laughs> I'd be yeah. like, okay, I get it. I get it. It's true, man. <laughs> it's true. All right, well, I'm going to play um, the uh, clip from Bob Weiss where we talk about that very subject and get into the whole... Uh, Dahmer Cream City Cannibal Tour with Bob. So oh, check yeah. this okay. out, guys. You, of course, do the Jeffrey Dahmer Cream City Cannibal walking tours that are based out of Shakers. And we went on one a couple of years ago. It was amazing. Oh, great. Can you give our listeners a little thumbnail sketch of, um, you know, what the tours are like? Uh, you know, what do your customers see when they take these tours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the tour is about a mile long. And it's uh, kind of bifurcated in the two parts. We first take you to the south, uh, and we talk about the back history of, of Dahmer, how he began as a child. We talk, because we have a lot of the psychologists that were privy to this at the time, we've talked to them. Obviously, we talked to the district attorney's office. These are all my customers anyway, so it wasn't like we had to go far and wide for them. They're already in my joint. They're already having a scotch. They're already talking about it, right? So just a matter of, of, of paying attention really, and then asking the right questions, then, you know, the next step, the next step. So um, when you take the tour, we first go to the, the South and we talk about the psychology of the young man and how he began as really kind of a normal kid. Right. And then a few things took place that, um, you know, took him a little bit to the left, a little further to the left and every step a little to the left. So we, we cover the psychology there. We talk about some of the victims that he had, um, you know, hunted from some of those locations and uh, what transpired with them. And it, it's heavy material, but it's not the heaviest material. The heaviest material is when you make the loop and you come back to Shakers, we take a short intermission and then we continue to the North. And the North is where um, the real heavy dance clubs were and uh, the bondage bars and everything else. I mean, there was a, there was a place that used to have a cage in the basement and, uh, you know, the, uh, the container of uh, Vaseline next to it. And Jesus, damn. My, my beer delivery guys would talk about how they used to deliver downstairs in the basement. They didn't want to go downstairs. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and even then, 219 is that uh, was very notorious for that as well. That's now something completely different. In fact, the people who bought 219 reopened as the rec room. Now, the rec room was a notorious 
uh, Leather and Bondage Bar in the Third Ward in Milwaukee. So they chose that name and put it in 219 with the huge numbers 219. Um, and they did this as kind of a, a uh, an art bar with wine, completely <laughs> oblivious both to the backstory on the rec room and on Club 219. Oh, wow. That is, that is uh, <laughs> wow. I wonder how they feel when you figure out all that backstory after you. That's what you've named you. <laughs> They've not opened up after the uh, COVIDcation, and I don't expect them to. No. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. No, we had we had some listeners recently uh, come up to Shakers from Toledo, Ohio. Did you happen to run into them? They had some custom shirts made up for the event. I, I did and masks and we, uh, we had them for two days and, uh, we have then, uh, sent them on their way with, uh, merchandise from shakers. Both awesome. Yeah. And the ghost, but, uh, they came up from Toledo four women and they, uh, spent the night at the iron horse hotel, which is like three blocks away from us. One of the best hotels they say in the country, really that'd give you some idea how the area has changed three blocks away from us. So they stayed there and, uh, they, the first night, uh, they uh, did the Dahmer tour, the cream city cannibal tour. And then they, came back and uh, ate and then they took a ghost tour and maybe two ghost tours and uh, they had a great time. They were really interesting and I'm not quite sure where you met them, but they were uh, heavily into ghosts and serial killers. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, the, the Stephanie, she was the one that kind of spearheaded all of it. She was uh, a contest winner. We did a contest in March, and she won and co-hosted an episode with us and got to pick the topic, and we've just corresponded with her since then. So she's just an avid listener, and her sisters and her wanted to take a trip. So that's awesome. I can I can only say this because they shared it with me. And um, so they have a very interesting backstory themselves. They're all much into serial killers, and their father – was convicted of murder. Oh, wow. Oh, no kidding. Interesting. Well, they have, oh my gosh, have they got layers of stories and things and what it meant to them and how they've reacted to things. And maybe that's part of the psychology. Because, you know, um, I'm always amazed that the vast majority of people taking the Cream City Cannibal Tour are women. 25, mm-hmm. 35, maybe 40, educated um and I'm I'm just stunned because it's not a little bit of the majority, ninety percent, and these women just have a real fascination with serial killers, and and as I look at the the numbers uh, for any programs that are on as well, they skew that way. So women have a thing about murder yeah. and serial yeah. killers. Yeah, I and- have noticed that. Like true crime in general, I've a lot of females just into it hard. Yeah, it's yeah. very very interesting. Now, uh, Bob, with all the craziness going on in the world, I know you, uh, as mentioned in the beginning of this interview, talked about all the improvements at Shakers, and you got outdoor seating, and you do carry out. But uh, what is the current status of? Uh, are there any restrictions for you in Milwaukee? Because I know we're in Illinois, and things are different here. But what's what's the picture like right now? If you have the opportunity to uh, to leave the planet, I would uh, take advantage. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Milwaukee is fifty percent of capacity, and because we're a restaurant as much as a bar, we are we have been since June uh, open for uh, seeking inside for food. Uh, yes, we do have a deck on the outside, our veranda out front, which accommodates about forty people, and then we have a, a rooftop deck as well which accommodates about 60 people. And so we've been very busy. And 
Um, the last couple of weeks, we've had events on our rooftop that are like five-course, six-course meals, and they've all been sold out. The next one's on August 14th, and I'm doing all um, the food of northern Spain, so San Sebastian, Santander, and already that's like a third filled up, so that's going to fill quickly. But the dynamic is such, I mean, we have compliance meetings every week with our staff and uh, what we can and can't do. And, and it's fluid because that continues to change. And the city of Milwaukee just uh, came out with 71 points that we must comply with every bar and restaurant. Jeez. Um, in fact, they're going to eliminate bars. I can, I can tell you that's going to happen after the DNC. They're going to shut down the bars. And really? Gonna, wow. One of those 71 points is that we must post large signs out front, as every restaurant now must, that um, even though eating out and going to restaurants was part of the, I'm paraphrasing, was part of our you know psyche as people, uh, it's not advised that anyone go to restaurants now. So they want us to advertise or promote against people even walking in. Wow, it's, it's absurd to me. Yeah, and uh, you know we we try to keep people uh, socially distanced. We've changed our format for tables inside, taken away the bar stools at the back bar, reduced them at the front bar. Um, we've got sanitizer everywhere. We have just one person who is just making a constant rotation of all four floors uh, to bleach and sanitize. Um, so we, we, we're, we're doing everything we possibly can to uh, comply and certainly utilize common sense because some of these criteria, I mean, they, they're opposed to each other, man, from whether wow. it's your WHO or Ag Department or uh, you know, the city of Milwaukee itself are zealots. And, and my personal thought here, and I've talked about this before, is that all the indicators say to me that our mayor, Tom Barrett, who is frankly not in good health, and is looking really feeble, is going to um, recuse himself or abdicate um, on, during the DNC. So my thought is that he's going to step aside as being mayor, uh, and the Common Council president, uh, uh, Chevy Johnson, is, is going to then take the helm. And then I think that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson and uh, our health commissioner, Jeanette Kowalik, are going to shut down the city for the next six weeks. I think they're only staying open the DNC. And when uh, is that DNC, Bob? It's uh, the 17th to the 20th of August this month. It okay. was moved last, but they originally had thought there's going to be a million people coming here, right? So um, now that continues to reduce every week. They're telling delegates not to come here, telling people not to come here. So they're down to 350 delegates as of last week. They expect about 10,000 people as protesters. And it doesn't even look like Joe Biden, the heir apparent to the Democratic Party is going to be here. He's going to do a virtual acceptance. So, <laughs> wow. You, if you think, guys, about the the major development, you've got, we've gone from, I don't know, let's say hypothetically we had 15 hotels downtown before. We've probably got 35 hotels downtown and uh, new restaurants and new bars that have opened up around the Faisal Forum where the Bucks play. But nothing's going to be used. In fact, they changed the location because that was too big. Um, so all these federal agents are in town as well, and they've actually started to send some of those away because there's just not the need to have wow. you know, people here. And um, man, it's just it's it's devastating to the city of Milwaukee because there's so much investment that was put into this, you know, the development getting ready for the DNC. Sure. Anyway, so the the COVID is is a monster. I'm not going to downplay this because the COVID is a killer. Mm -hmm. But um, 
And I think that a lot of this has been politicized. I think that after the third of November, it's suddenly going to be a different disease. Yeah, uh, very, very. Yeah. I agree with you on that, Bob. Yeah. So now, Bob, how can our listeners uh, book a ghost tour or one of the Jeffrey Dahmer walking tours? Uh, well, I'm I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the simplest way is to uh, just look us up online at hangmantours.com. That's hangmantours.com. Um, for the things that Shakers, you can look up shakerscigarbar.com. Um, you can certainly call us as well. But um, as we talked about before, you know, I've, I've got my own podcast now um, on just Shaking Your World, and we talk about cool things there. And um, that Shakers channel for videos on YouTube, I mean, this is another way that I spent my, my time during the co-vacation is that uh, we've got 65 or some posted videos, another 20 in the can waiting to get published. And I got to tell you, I'm um, I got to face the radio, but um, I'm having a <laughs> blast with these videos, and they're great. And one of the, the I think the cool thing for me is to look and, and just see how exhausted I am. <laughs> <laughs> there was no the work shut down for three months plus. It's like I was there every day, and I'm working 18 hours a day, and and you know I'm we're working on stuff, and you can just see the impact and the stress, and and it's real. I mean, God, it's real. Not to d- diminish at all anything that took place with you know the during Jeffrey Dahmer's time and the things you cover on the Cream City Cannibal tour. Oh, I wanted to say that by the way. The the last half of that tour is not remotely for the faint of heart. NBC oh, yeah. calls it the tour of terror. And um we get into much more specifics as far as the cannibalization and as far as the yeah. butcher, like that. Yeah, when we took the tour with Michelle, she was fantastic, but she did a really good job at watching what she said as people people walked by us on the tour because like you said you're talking about like penises and jars and heads and freezers and you got a family walking toward the tour so she was really good about watching what she said in certain spots it's just very well done and how she could walk backwards for an hour amazed me. Yeah. So I was very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. That's why I brought her in for the uh, Nicole Childress interview that we did. Yeah, that was good. You know, she's uh, she was on Netflix as well. Michelle mm-hmm. and I, yeah, the Cannibal Tour. That's Dark Tourist episode number three. And I, she's just got a gift for four again for serial killers. And uh, for telling a story, man, and uh, it, she's got a calming kind of a, because she's older, she has a calming kind of an influence uh, that made a big difference with Nicole, and uh, it just does with, with many people, because they're kind of sucked in. Oh, yeah. you're just a grandmotherly kind of woman. She's, <laughs> uh, talking about all this. She's pretty hip, yeah. She does a great job. All your staff is amazing. I'm always impressed. Anytime I've been up there, which is now five or six, seven times, uh, they're just such a great group. You always seem to uh, vet the the staff well, and they're always very well spoken, and they look good, and they just present shakers in a very professional way, which is awesome. Well, thank you. The staff is really what uh, has made the difference to me for thirty odd years that I've been there, and I do have a remarkable staff. Um, and speaking about your next time up, so one of the things we've done is we took that that bathroom on the third floor in the dead hookers bedroom. Yeah. Completely ripped that apart, took out the floor, the subfloor, took out that jacuzzi that was in there. Uh, I scored this beautiful, colder, 100-year-old clawfoot tub. Nice. Nice. Condition. Um, so retiled that whole space. Um, it, it's got a different setup now. Uh, put that tub in there, 
Um, got these this beautiful plumbing fixtures as well from the East Coast. Um, Wayne Scotting, everything on the inside. It's a completely different wow. space. And uh, in fact, we'll be taking pictures this next week and get us back in Airbnb. But oh, even that world has changed because you got to have you know uh, empty time in betwixt and whatever else. So right. We we try to limit our, our tours to ten people and less, and we've got uh, people walking around with spray bottles of bleach, you know, all the time. It's sure. It's, uh, it's a wacky. It's a wacky world we're in right now. That's for sure. But thank you so much, Bob, for doing this. You've been a a great friend to us and a supporter of Murder Metal Mayhem, and we do appreciate it. We we love Shakers. We're definitely going to get back up there again soon, and good luck in in everything that you do. <laughs> Pete, Chris, I thank you very much for your support of what I do. Um, I'm, I'm got, honored to be on. I'll be happy to be on anytime you want me. Look forward to your next trip up to Shakers. And uh, gentlemen, I hope you find a way to enjoy this beautiful afternoon. Bob's the only guy that could use the word betwixt in betwixt. a sentence and not get like punched in the face. You know? <laughs> Bob is such a smart fucking dude. dude so man. smart, man. I don't yeah. even know what the hell that means. <laughs> I know. It's just funny. Bob is very charismatic. Oh, yeah. He uh, is. But, but very cool to hear his angle and what the Jeffrey Dahmer Cream City Cannibal Tour is about. Um, you know, we did the tour ourselves it was really great i really enjoyed that if the weather's right it's it's really fun because it's outside yeah it's got to be raining blood that's true that's true <laughs> from a lacerated sky yes sir um, yes sir <laughs> and as bob says you know the most popular group of people that take the tour are those millennial women uh college educated they seem to gravitate to true crime uh, John Borowski mentioned that in the in the clip we heard from him. Chris, why do you think women in that age group tend to really like the true crime stuff? And even these dark serial killers like this. John uh, Borowski talks about one of his fans that's so obsessed with him, she photoshops her kissing him in pictures. That's some, stalker. That's some stalker shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, she pictures of her and Dahmer kissing I, I don't know. Like and Ramirez sends him to Borowski. Yeah, Ramirez that's pretty fucked up. the same fucking way. All the bitches love Ramirez yeah. and Bundy. But, like, I don't know. The way it is now, I think in general, like to, in today, not like with uh, Ramirez and everything, but, like, I think it was like when they were growing up and true crime shit first started coming on TV, their parents were watching it. And now these girls and even dudes fucking obviously fucking right. they grew up, started watching that shit and it got them intrigued such as us. Like, right. And you're not watching us like as, as you get older and the more and more content that you're able to come up with is like, holy shit, this is right. really intense. So sure. And as far as the chicks that like totally get it, like, Photoshops yourself kissing Dahmer is just like <laughs> out the fuck out yeah, there. Yeah, I don't fucking like, think so. You know he ain't even interested in your type at all. That's right. Like, what the fuck? That's some fucked up shit. But. Now, CK, what is it about metalheads uh, being into true crime? I mean, it kind of goes almost hand in hand. A lot of our listeners really like the way we take murder and metal and combine it into what we do. But what do you think it is about metalheads in that whole subject? I, th I think it's kind of an extension because I mean, a lot of bands, you know, write lyrics and write, you know, the topics are, are about stuff like right. this. So, you know, they may hear a song or may hear a band play a song like Soulfly Dahmer right. and just, you know, get interested in it. And, and I think it takes off from there because I know I started watching like true crime stories like when I was a teenager. Right. 
and you know it start it starts with one and you just start watching and and and, and it grows right. so so like like music you know you get you get into one aggressive band you hear another and you want to find right. another you want to find True. another you want to find another and i think it's it's just the same same idea but it's you and know like, yeah the lyrical content and the yeah Im- like you listen imagery. to Slayer Dead Skin Mask and you want to know what the fuck is that about right. and then you read about yeah. Ed Gein you're like holy shit and then you watch a documentary exactly. and then you're like oh wow yeah, when I'm on they, YouTube it says I might also like that, this one on John Wayne Gacy this motherfucker dressed up like a clown that, holy that's shit how, that's how I learned and about then you're hooked Ed man Gein, <laughs> I like you're hooked. the imagery you know, that, is the how, same as like gory fucking violent yeah. murder and shit yeah it like, appeals to that same type of person that would like metal is cool with the dark gory subject matter gore and most you know and the thing is, most metalheads are, are, you know, are pretty much pacifists. I'm, I'm, I'm not violent at all. I know you guys aren't. I drink violently. So, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you we're not acting out on this stuff. It's just an aggressive right. form you know, of music, it's, but it's not know, like we're going out and doing this shit, you know. We're talking about it and laughing about it, but it's not real. Now, Joey, what happened on November 28, 1994, only a few months after that interview he did with Stone Phillips? It was only a few months, and I'm actually going to back this uh, question up. Yeah. Uh, Pete gave us, you know, kind of an outline how we do the Mermel Mayhem show, so I was a little prepared for this one, and there were some things about Dahmer's prison time that I thought were important to talk about, which lead to the question that Pete just asked. Um 1992, Dahmer gets put in prison for his crimes. Right, right. Of course, he gets put in isolation. So while he's in there, he does just fine, has no issues, and uh, gets them to let him out in general population. So he's able to eat with everybody That's, and do all this which stuff. Is right. yeah. So they said the first year that he was at, I mean, I've heard accounts of this. You know, you, it's hearsay, but I thought this was interesting to bring up. Uh, like, while he was in there, he would joke about the shit he was in there for kind of oh, uh, wow. he put up he put up a sign that said cannibal is anonymous and out in his cell uh he would mold oh, wow. his food, food into, into body, body parts. parts and like put ketchup on it right. and shit. so he would do oh, shit wow. like I that think i did now that you're saying uh, this, he I would tell remember. the prisoners and, and other guard he'd be like i bite you know and just watch their reaction you know shit like that and it, i bet it gave him so much that right. part gave him pleasure dude. so okay so the year he got 1994 is the year he was passed it was also the year like pete said he did the interview with stone phillips he got um it was may 1994 he was baptized Right. In jail, in prison. <laughs> so he goes through whatever he's going through. Like I Everybody said, he seemed religion. a lot different from the time, you know, whenever he had gotten caught for all his shit to the time that he was doing the interviews with his dad. Like, right. like he had gone through an awakening or something. Right. Yeah. So anyway, like, so he got baptized at this time. Um, and then in... Uh, November? No, no, no. July 1994... Oh, an inmate tried to slash his throat in prison. Okay. But the blade broke on the homemade shift. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I, re- yep. I read And then that. they fucking... And Dahmer didn't... 
really pursue it with anybody. He told them that it was just this guy that, that was trying to get deported because he was from Cuba or whatever. I do remember so he was, that. It, okay. So they yeah. so since he didn't have a big issue with it, they considered it an isolated incident. It is what he it was is. continued to live in in GP in GP. Wow. Okay, so then as Pete asked, what happened on November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four? That's whenever he was uh, he was on cleaning duty. Right. They were in the prison gym, the bathroom area. Uh, he was working with two guys, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. Scarver supposedly definitely had issues, like with the the right. food molding shit. Like right. they said that he had seen him doing just that. Not he said that he carried it, around a funny. fucking like a article with him all the time about what Dahmer had done, and he straight up walked right. up to him and was like, "Hey, did you really do this shit?" Wow. Yeah, but they said uh, they said the three of them were left alone for twenty minutes. Dahmer, Scarver, Anderson. A lot of speculation were the, the were the COs involved. What was going on? But when the guards returned twenty minutes later, they found the bodies of Dahmer and Anderson, who both of them had been beaten by Scarver. Uh, Dahmer was he died within the hour, and then Anderson died later from the attack. Oh, I didn't realize it was a second. Yeah, wow. yeah, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was just right. Wow. But they did it. Well, I mean, that's all anybody really cared about. It's like exactly well, nobody yeah. cares about this right. other dude. But anyway, wow. uh, but Scarver he did an interview. You can watch that too uh, yeah, you on YouTube. That. Yeah, I think I in did 2015. See but he said he fucking abhorred Dahmer. Uh, he even said himself, this came from William Scarver, he wondered if the prison personnel had left them alone. Wow. Because they thought that he would do some, And he right. uh, did it with a, a weight oh, wow. bar. Yeah. Right. Which is how he committed his first murder. Exactly. Yeah, that's So it's kind of yeah. like, you know, full that circle shit. That is interesting. <laughs> I, I just can't believe that they would have put an inmate like that in general population. As, as notable as he yeah. was and all over the fucking media... Yeah, that's a you prime fucking hit, target, especially, especially for what the he did. Fucked yeah. up shit he did with kids. I I, I don't think that's I don't crazy. think they gave. I think they yeah. did it on purpose. It, yeah. I don't think they it, gave. And it's not not even two years after he first went into prison, so it's not like he was in isolation for five ten years. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I I I think they knew as soon as he went in GP. It was a matter of time before he was yeah. taken out. Definitely. I think I think it definitely. Chris, you think the. Uh, the guards were I in on it. I 100 think the guards is like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, if if Scarver was willing to fucking do it and know he's going to get extra time added on to what he's doing, right? And they're like, as long as you don't care, get rid of this fuck. Yeah, right. It's like, man, we're so tired of delivering mail to this fucker, so right. All these fucking motherfuckers. <laughs> this motherfucker's getting fan mail. You yeah. know that, right? Oh goddamn! Then, you know he had. You know to the be. guards told him that. Like he's getting fan mail. Right. Do something about this. Right. Right. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and I mean, Wisconsin didn't have a death penalty, right? No, so, so I mean, that's the only life terms. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way Dahmer was going to die in that situation with somebody else to kill him. Or I right. think I saw so. some shit that he was would have been eligible for parole, like twenty nine something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> twenty nine something. <laughs> Anybody have anything to add? I mean, obviously, after his death, you had just an onslaught. I wasn't a big fan of the movie Dahmer. No, it was. I didn't really. I was really had high hopes. Yeah. And I watched it, it with Jenny, and I was like, 
Yeah, this was sucks. It was really bland. I did not, yeah. honestly, I did not mind that fucking movie, My Friend Dahmer. I thought that was pretty good, like, too. Like, when yeah. he was in high school and shit. Yep. Like, actually acting out and doing, like, before he committed all the murders and everything. It's actually a pretty decent fucking movie. Yeah, so, I haven't If you seen haven't that. seen it, check it out. There's an underground one that I grew up on that came out way back then called The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. That's the one that I like the most. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, I don't know if I've seen that one. It's But it's the same shit as, like, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer and how it's, like, very fictionalized. Sensationalized. Right. Oh, gotcha. But um, overall, like, where Dahmer with Jeremy Renner was very slow and boring, basically. Right. I mean, that's the only way you could describe that movie is boring as shit. <laughs> and uh, where it was like that, this movie was actually like an underground horror movie. And right. And because it was more independent, delved more into, like, real shit that Dahmer did, I guess. Right. 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 Very interesting. Uh, does anybody uh, have anything else? I know, you know, I watch some of the documentaries. There's lots of stuff out there. The interview, as I mentioned, with Stone Phillips of NBC. Yeah, that, that one's on awesome. YouTube. That one's great. That's like 90 minutes of that shit. That's like the best interview. It's Dr. really good because yeah, uh, he pushes to get some interesting answers. Yeah. You know, he, he asked the dad about the whole dreams that he had about murdering and stuff and pretty heavy shit. Um, I also mentioned the book from John Borowski, Dahmer's Confession. That oh, was yeah. really good. Uh, the chapter from Stephen Giannangelo, uh, he's a former cop, uh, worked for the Illinois State Police. He's a really good dude. Met him at the Dark History Convention, Chris. Yeah. Um, really good dude. He lives in Springfield and teaches at the University of Illinois. Um, but anyway, he writes a chapter in that book with some really interesting insight that brought up um, you know, but he basically says, you know, Dahmer was a brutal killer, a cannibal, and a necrophile, and what's pulls no is, punches, man. What's funny is just for shits and giggles earlier today, I was listening to a podcast about Dahmer, a different podcast. Yeah. It wasn't a terrible podcast or whatever, but uh, Borowski's book was their main source that they really? used, so I thought that was cool as shit. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, there's. I, I didn't even look... As a matter of fact, for podcasts about Dahmer, because I knew there would just be, be a, a million ton of them. Yeah, one of them. I li- but and yeah, I was like, you know what? I just want to do it our way and right. not be I, like influenced. I said, I just, That's interesting, though, that you heard it, yeah, and that was the book like, they referenced. Huh. That's nice. funny. <laughs> That's very cool. Again, huge thanks to Bob Weiss and John Borowski for taking <laughs> yeah, the time out. Anytime Combined, was that awesome. was almost an hour of yeah. their interviews, so they were an integral part of this. Um, very helpful in telling the story. Uh, it is a horrible tale. I can't imagine the hell that those families had to go through to know that their loved ones died like that. I mean, I can't even imagine it. Um, you know, we've all had people that have, you know, passed in our lives, but something like that, I mean, oh my gosh, that's takes that to a fucking level I never hope to fucking experience. That's just absolutely like, terrible. Yeah. Now, the next Patreon exclusive we're going to do... Richard Ramirez. That's right. (laughs) It's Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt's mother. So the the question, though, Joey, is will we refer to Richard Ramirez as the Night Stalker or the Screen Door Intruder? Uh, That will be left uh, to us to decide. We get two months to think about it. We're going to do these every other month. So you guys in the 666 Club... We'll get to hear these every other month uh, for the foreseeable future. And this next one will be on Richard Ramirez. We've got some guests in line for that. It's going to be amazing. 
Joey, you've actually got some Ramirez artwork, don't you? Or yeah, a letter? Uh, or what was uh, it? I corresponded with Richard Ramirez for probably five years. And uh, in that time, that was my initial thing was I wanted to get something drawn by him. Oh, wow. When I first saw it, it was funny. It, this is funny. It's off topic because it's not the Ramirez. We'll talk about it later. But right. when I first saw, <clears throat> saw anything that made me uh, actually want to contact him, it was because he was talking about his artwork. And he, he wanted to get it out. So that's how I approached him. I was like, hey, how you doing? I didn't come at him like some weird. I was just like, hey, I saw you wanted to do your art stuff. I'd love to maybe help you set up a site. Right. You know? right. Oh, so that's cool. how I came at him. And then it never ended up coming to fruitation, of course, because I'm sure a billion people have asked him that. Right. But within one of the letters that he sent me, he did do a sketch that a three-year-old could have done. Right. <laughs> but I've, I've but at it. the same cool, time, it, it's still badass. Yeah, it has definitely. his name on it. I mean, oh, yeah. Definitely bring it in for that. That'll be really awesome. Yeah, so we'll awesome. talk about that more on that yeah, Patreon. Yeah, that's going to be cool. I, that's going to be a good I did one. just think of something one. said I wanted to add to the Dahmer thing. And yeah, I thought of something, too. So these are afterthoughts of the Dahmer. That's yeah. okay. That's all right. So that time he was doing that bit in prison, he did the ten months or whatever. He got he did get out on work release. Okay. And there was that fucking uh, one point that he got out on a furlough for like twelve hours or some shit, and he actually went hunting for somebody. Yeah. And he ended up fucking drinking the wrong drink. And oh he, wow. He ended up waking up getting sodomized with a fucking. Himself. Oh damn. Well, yeah, himself, yeah. like with a fucking uh, candlestick or whatever. So it kind of like Jesus. backfired on him <laughs> wow. and shit. So I thought that was pretty Ass fucked up. up. Yeah, that's kind of justice. Like he had though, no right? idea like what was happening. He just like went back to the prison. Like, Ugh, wow, shit, that Damn. didn't work out right. Wow, Joey, what did you want to add? The only to? thing I was going to add, and I've I've said this before, if people listen to our older podcasts or whatnot, but I thought it was cool for this episode too. Is uh, when me and a boarding were on tour a few years ago. We had a little bit of time off between um, Madison, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, so we went to Plainfield, Wisconsin. Oh, I remember you and, talking about And we went to this. see, uh, you know, the Gein, his property, his right. grave, and all that. And then Gein after that, we were going to go to Milwaukee, but we still had time to kill, so we were going to go to uh, Dahmer's. And that was the first time I'd ever gone to Jeffrey Dahmer's place, you know what I'm saying, the the location. Right, right. right. <clears throat> where 213 was. Um but when we were at Ed Gein, yeah. at the graveyard, I mean, this is Plainfield, Wisconsin. This town's a blink, and you're fucking, it's 400 people or something. Right, shit. right. It's so tiny. There's one graveyard, and then there's a gas station right next to it. So we're fucking, we pull into the gas station. Uh, we're filling up so we can go to Milwaukee. We turn on the GPS. We put in Jeffrey Dahmer's address um, and hit go. And it says two hours and thirteen minutes. That's oh, yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. I remember and, you and telling me about that. And we go broed it. We we're like, get the fuck out of here. We we're fucking videoing it. But yeah, so from from Gein's grave basically to fucking Dahmer's doorstep was two hours and thirteen. That's minutes. fucking. That's great. amazing. Yeah. Another two thirteen <laughs> thing funny. is uh, I was uh, doing a house inspection of house prior to demolition, so I was there and it was all nasty. And the house number was 312. So yeah. I took the numbers off the house. <laughs> right. And I went to Tim's, and his back door faced one street, but his front door faced a different street. Yeah, right. But 
the front door was obviously his address, but like people, but I put the two thirteen over that door, <laughs> so people driving would be like, "What the fuck?" Like I'm in the two hundred yeah, block. Like yeah, how yeah. did that happen? <laughs> so there were always people stopping and like looking around and shit, like That's confused. <laughs> and Tim thought it was hilarious, and of course left it up there. But it's not there now. I drove by it after Tim died. That's and funny because they, they can't took really do anything to you. If you no. want to put numbers on your phone. No, fucking, it's his private that's property. So fucking yeah, funny. It was hilarious, <laughs> man. Yeah, I thought it was great. So all right. Well, very cool. I think we've domered them out. Um, I think uh, we did a good job. It was fun doing a oh, dude, something this is bonus great doing something special like, like this. this. So There's let's all uh, y'all motherfuckers out there in that six 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 club. Yeah, thank you. Thank fucking, you. Yeah. I'm gonna hit that outro now. Yeah, Check yeah, out yeah. some fucking Soulfly here. Man, I never really yeah. listened to much Soulfly, but holy shit, I, I, that's fucking I badass, man. Yeah, they're pretty badass. That's Jeffrey Max. Dahmer from Soulfly. That's Max. That's that's fucking Max. sick, yeah, man. I'm impressed. They, they, they don't get enough um, recognition. No, I, I need to go back and listen to some of this shit, because I'm pretty impressed with that. If that's a symbol... Or similar to the rest of their shit. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. They got a lot. Yeah, pretty much. They got a whole lot of travel ship, but like, yeah, they're they're very eclectic. Yeah, they're yeah. fucking pretty badass though. That's cool. If you, if you like if you like Roots by by Sepultura, yeah, I was gonna say I like that album by Sepultura. Then so. then, then you'll like it. That's an extension of, of basic. Soulfly is an extension of that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So the bumper music tonight, guys, just Slayer and Soulfly, just two songs. That's two of them. Uh, that Murder Metal Mayhem intro music, though, CK, by... Low motherfucking 12. That's right, low 12. Uh, go check out that SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com website. Talked about how amazing they are. The fucking catalog's got all sorts of crazy shit, so Chris. Up shit, the fucking dude. masks, like, yeah, the like COVID said, masks. Looks crazy. like fucking sewn and skin legit, and shit. It's a legit mask. It too. is. It's, it's got, got the, the side and everything in the pieces. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fucking, fucking badass. I started thinking about what Justin said last week, though, about how bad it would be if he did one of those masks with the teeth in it, too, though. Oh, right. Yeah. Dude. God damn sick. it, bro. <laughs> he would, because yeah. he said he could do them custom, because every one of them's basically custom. Right. So you just kind of tell him what you want on there. So you probably. You can make a killing on that now. Oh, my oh, God. Man. He's charging like 70 bucks for them, but man, they're all custom. Face hugger masks. From yeah. Alien, bro, yeah. dude. <laughs> That's what I if I gotta fucking wear them at work, you know, like a lot of other people do right, right now. Right. Uh, so our buddies, Murder Machine Clothing, they've been doing the mask now through the COVID, which is cool. Right. And I had them do us some new ones, yeah, but I yeah. can't wear anything with like logos or anything at work. Oh, you know? So sure. I wish I could make a, a face hugger one or something oh, like yeah. that. But I've had to make me some pretty cool ones. I yeah, had them yeah. make a, Chris did a Terrifier one from the movie yeah, Terrifier. Got Art the Clown on one side and the Terrifier logo all over it on the other side. That's it's cool. I actually ordered one myself. I just couldn't resist on Facebook yeah. with those ads, but there was one... Um, that has this uh, or front side toward enemy, which oh, yeah. <laughs> is the side of a claymore mine. Right, right, face yeah, out. Front side, that's pretty yeah, awesome. But dude. when I was in the army, that was this side toward enemy, right, which right. is where I came up with my name of the story yeah, and exactly. the song and all that. 
So it's the same thing, but in a, with a different word in there. Now they're called. It says front toward enemy. So you make sure you point the claymore mine the right way, because right. it'll fuck you up if it's pointed at you. So yeah, uh, so yeah so, I remember yeah. doing those in basic training, uh, live uh, stuff in the real world. But in basic training, I remember, and I remember that this side toward enemy always stuck with me. So the the mask is army green and it says front side toward enemy on the stitch like an army that's fucking awesome they're really cool looking i can't wait to get it all right so yeah check out spellbound effects and art.com just so awesome um thanks to everybody out there listening you guys fucking patreon motherfuckers six 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 club members we appreciate you so much thank you very much and try to encourage your friends i mean if you got friends say that yeah i'm sorry ck why don't you say that (laughs) no you already did it well you know same idea mention tell tell you Tell your friends about it. Yeah. You know? yeah like, look what I did. You yeah. Can, you can't hear this. No, I'm not going to play it for you. Fuck you. No. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was cool, Chris. Even your brother Michael did it. He, oh, yeah, you know, he, he did. probably could have asked me, and I'd have just, yeah, I'll send you some stuff. No, I you told know. him, you better fucking do that no, shit. That's right? cool, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said Cashman made me do it, or Gormonger made, 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 made me do it. Yeah, yeah. that was funny. So, no, Michael was going to do that anyway. He was going to That's awesome, man. He was just drunk at that drunk at that moment. Yeah, drunk enough. I'm doing it right now. I got paid today. (laughs) He's all cocky now with his own place. You know, he's got his own stud pad. Money's going into the PayPal account. (laughs) So don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com. Listen to all the episodes and bonus content other than stuff like this, because this is exclusive to the Patreon. Um, Also, go check us out on YouTube and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Get Your Murder On and like us on Facebook. Uh, join that 666 Club. We'll keep yeah, talking about friends. it. Patreon.com slash Murder Metal Mayhem. Yeah, tell your friends. Share it on there. You know, if you do the Instagram thing, we're not big on that. I don't even have it. In, well, I, I think I have one. I've never even fucked with it. But uh, Twitter, I'm not a big fan of either. I just post once a week when we have an episode. But. You know, the younger you are, the more intricate you are with that sort of thing, and probably we're old, we're, other we're places. Facebook people. Over yeah, older people or Facebook. You know. Facebook, we're old. Yeah, so, you know, it is what it is, but uh, spread the word however that is that you do, and we appreciate that very much. Yes, we do. We'll link to all this in the episode description if you didn't catch the, the websites and stuff. So until next time, though, keep one foot in the gutter. And your fist clutching that drink that's all laced up for your next victim. Yeah, what he said. Mother! Mother! Man!